this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello. Just a quick correction on this episode and also on our 80s movies episode. The things I've recommended are not on HBO Max. They are on Showtime. So for our movies episode, I recommended the docuseries, the true crime docuseries Buried. That is not on HBO Max. That's on Showtime. For this episode, I recommend the show Yellow Jackets. Once again, that is not on HBO Max. That is on Showtime. So apologies for that. Hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. We are continuing our 80s celebration, our brief 80s celebration. We'll have to do a longer one sometime because this is my favorite genre of music, and that's what we're covering is 80s music. It took a long while for this to become my favorite genre. I despised this when it was actually like early 90s, late 80s. I was like, whatever, this is such cheesy stuff. Give me the 60s. So, (laughs) and some modern stuff too. But this will be a lot of fun. I've got a great panel with me. And I think we all kind of, maybe at different stages in our lives, but we all were alive during the 80s and grew up during that time. And then the 90s, of course. And I think the 80s, some of this music and some of these bands, of course, continued on through the 90s and even today. So this will be a lot of fun. We're just going to have like a loose, relaxed conversation talking about some of our favorite bands. We are going to also, of course, talk about MTV. I don't think you can talk about the 80s music without talking about MTV because it changed everything. But before we do that, just a quick housekeeping note that we are, of course, on Patreon. So if you want to support the show, if you like what we're doing, you want to help us continue to do it, please head on over to our Patreon page where for as little as $3 a month, you can support the show, get bonus content like our episode covering a show that talked about the 80s, Freaks and Geeks, which one of our panelists, Jill, was on that episode. We also have a special bonus Lucifer episode, which our other two panelists, Sarah and Carla, were on. So lots of great content there. Like I've shared before, next year we're going to be covering every single season of American Horror Story. So that'll be fun too for bonus content. So those links are in the show notes or head on over to our social media, click on the link tree and click on the link there. Okay, so I'm going to have my panelists introduce themselves and tell me one thing they're into right now, Carla. Hi, I am this week into the show Queens on Hulu. I, my sister started, my sister and I started watching it um, when she was down recently and we mostly 
right now enjoy messaging each other about the things that we think that the, that the women are doing wrong? Like, what is wrong with this one? I can't believe that one. Oh my God, she's the worst. I can't stand her. Like, I don't care what they do. I will never, ever like her. That's kind of our bonding thing. But it's still, it's very fun. You get to see Brandy rap and she's amazing. She's amazing. And of course you have Eve, who, I mean, like, you know, talk about rap royalty right there. But it, it's 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 a fun show. I, I won't say it's a good show, but it's a fun show. <laughs> yeah, my sister and I have some of those. Like, my sister and I decided, I don't know why this reminds me of that, but we decided this past summer we were going to try and watch, for the first time, The Bachelorette. And so we were watching The Bachelorette together. And then after a while, we kind of just stopped. And then we tried to watch uh, Bachelor in Paradise, which was actually a lot more entertaining than you may think it is. So, yeah, there's, I mean, it's fun to watch those trashy shows, especially I think with your sister, at least for me, because it sounds like you have the same thing would be like, oh, these people suck. I hate these people. It makes it fun. It's a fun bonding experience. Nothing quite says sibling bonding like trashing a show together. <laughs> it's true. We recommend it out there. And Jill, what are you into? A couple things that just popped up. Um, Psych 3, this is Gus on Peacock. Um, I'm on board anytime there's a there's a psych movie. So that one was a lot of fun. And then just this started this weekend, um, the Get Back um, three-part series on the Beatles on um, Disney Plus. So I just started watching that. And um, I think as a casual Beatles fan, you're you're not going to get it. But I think diehard Beatles fans who want to dissect every nuanced conversation, you're going to love it. The, uh, the, the first episode had Paul working on Get Back and just started riffing and he's just playing and he's just kind of mumbling he's not mumbling any real words he's just kind of boop, 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 boop. and you watch him form this song and you know george comes in and ringo comes in and they just they're just riffing and they create a song and i, I find that fascinating <laughs> i could watch that stuff all day to see the other you know, creation process so um i've really been enjoying that so far awesome yeah that was actually uh, mentioned a lot at my thanksgiving dinner <laughs> Everybody was excited. My poor grandma. She's like, oh, gosh. My grandma has, like, no streaming stuff at all. You know, she has just basic, just TV, not even cable. And she's like, oh, I'm really excited to watch that. And everybody's like, sorry, grandma, you don't have Disney+. Plus." <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so bad. I'm like, well, maybe you can go over to, you know, my mom's and you can both watch it together. Um, you know, but, yeah. So, and, and now that I have Disney+. Plus. At some point, I will watch it because I, I just I like watching music, you know, any music documentary, even if it's something that I don't even like the band necessarily. Right. Because I find the process of creating so fascinating. So, yeah. And Sarah. Uh, well, last night, and I'm probably a little late to the party on this, my husband and I started watching Unbelievable on Netflix. Oh, yeah. And I'm only two episodes in and I'm already pissed off. <laughs> at the detectives in Washington. So uh, probably finish that up this weekend. Um, but so far, uh, enjoying it and uh, find myself saying, yeah, this, this is what women go through. This is why we don't report sexual assault because of the way that we we're treated. And it was just uh, so infuriating. But yeah, that's a little bit of a heavier topic, I would say, right now. Not necessarily a fun show to watch, but 
certainly a, an interesting show and I think uh, really uh, sheds light on what what women have to deal with. Yeah, that's that's an excellent show with excellent performances, excellently written, excellently done. And it is very important that that show that the lead detectives are women in that show, honestly. Oh, and it's just it's a that's that's a really good one. Yeah, I, that's and it's very hard to watch. So definitely, yeah. if that stuff is triggering for you, be careful. Yeah, and it, it will get more infuriating as you go, Sarah. Oh, just I'm warning. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm mentally preparing myself that yeah. I, I know yeah. I'm going to be screaming at the TV. That's, that's a good one, though. And what I'm into is also not light. Uh, there is a show on HBO Max called Yellow Jackets that just started. That's basically, you could compare it, and call, and I think people have called it this, like the female version of Lord of the Flies, and that's what it looks like it's setting up to be. So it's like you've got present day, and then you go back to the 90s. So if you were a teenager in the 90s, the music, first of all, you'll be like, oh my gosh, yeah, this song and this song, I've already saved so many songs into my Spotify playlist. But it's just, it's also uh, just, I love seeing shows where you see female characters that are very complex and complicated and not just black and white and not just the good girl, the bad girl, that kind of stuff. They have different layers. And so what you're seeing is you go back and forth in time, you go, when you're in the 90s, what it is, is it's this team of, of soccer players, the Yellow Jackets, and they go, they're flying on a private jet because one of the soccer players, this comes from a very wealthy family, and it crashes, the plane crashes, and, you know, there there are some survivors, and you're slowly piecing together what they've done to survive, and in the present day, it's the after effects where you're just following four of the women, played by Melanie Linsky who's really, really good and very, very kind of creepy. And speaking of creepy, Christina Ricci is in this and she is so <laughs> creepy. Oh my gosh. And then Juliette Lewis, who's excellent. And then Tawny Cypress as well, who's really good. And it's just, it's just very complex women doing complicated things. And I just love it for that. And I think it's really well-written, well-directed. And it's 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 intense so far, so I'm excited to see where it goes. That's what I'm into. Okay, so let's get into 80s music. What I want to first start out talking about is on August 1st, 1981, a brand new network premiered called MTV Music Television. And basically it was videos. Uh, and if you don't know, the video killed the radio star was like the first video that played, of course, famously. And this changed the way we consumed music. Because it was no longer just an audio medium. I mean, yes, it's visual if you go and see people in concert, concert videos, that kind of stuff. But this was setting basically a mini movie or a video to the songs. So I want to know first, and then we'll talk about also there, of course, are issues with MTV. Famously, go Google David Bowie's interview where he calls MTV out on the fact that they primarily at first, they only played white artists. And they said, of course, a very racist thing, saying they did that because they had to appeal to more people than people in New York and L.A. Because as everybody knows, there are only white people everywhere and, and white people can't listen to music. That's not done by white people, supposedly, according to MTV. Well, I mean, everybody knows <laughs> that black people only lived in New York and L.A. Exactly. Forever. Yes. The entire That's existence of, of the country has been like that. I mean, like, do you not know your history? My God. 
I know, I know, I know. Yeah. And watch watching David Bowie's face when he was given that answer was one of the most priceless and amazing things ever. And then, of course, a lot of the what broke that was Michael Jackson and um, the record label being insistent that they, you know, show the videos or they were going to pull Mike. Michael Jackson was, you know, huge. I remember listening to his records and loving them. So he was huge. So threatening that was what kind of changed things. And then you got Prince's videos and that kind of stuff too. So Carla, did you like MTV? Did you ever watch MTV growing up like the videos? Well, okay. For starters, I came here from Mexico in 87. So yeah. for me, it was mostly a non-entity until I, you know, I, I got here and it was like starting to veer more into not videos and then eventually into reality TV and then like almost no videos and then pretty much zero videos. But I, the, the impact of MTV still, you know, crossed over to, to Mexico. So we had like a lot of the videos that were being shown on MTV would eventually end up on my little TV screen in my bedroom in Kailapa, and I'm just sitting there and like, Oh, who are these people? And you know, why are, why are they, they dressed like that? That's so kind of weird. I think for me, the initial impact may not have been that big of a deal, but I know that it was a big part of how in Mexico, the perception of music that was popular and should be watched was changed. You know, like it, it once you add a video element to music, it can be great and it can be also very damaging because you go from just liking what you like and just enjoying music regardless of who's singing it or what they look like or, you know, like it doesn't really matter that they don't have a megawatt smile and, and anything else that you still like the music. But with the video element, suddenly the music that's getting the most play is the music that is coming from people who are more quote unquote photogenic, mm -hmm. which really means, you know, conforming to Eurocentric Western standards of beauty. So already right there, you're, you start whitening the airwaves even more than, than before. So uh, the music that, that we were really listening to, a lot of it was just, um, you know, like Madonna and, and, mm -hmm. uh, and Wham and, and George Michael and the, you know, Michael Jackson being Michael Jackson and, you know, for his legacy being tainted and all, you still look at what he was in the eighties, which was a mega star. He, he was undeniable. You could not suppress his music and his voice and his talent because it, it simply was, he, he was a force of nature. So the, the fact that, that pretty much the biggest act to come out of the eighties was a black man is a huge deal. It definitely helped that his body type and a lot of, of things about him were deemed palatable to white audiences. But even beyond that, like he was just that good. But yeah, so so for me, like I, I remember the thriller video coming out. And again, I was in Mexico when this happened. So I don't remember having seen it like on TV as it as it aired. But when it when it did come to us, I was just glued to the TV screen because it's 
first of all, it's an amazing track. The concept of the video is phenomenal because even if you're a scaredy cat like like me and you're like, oh no, this is too scary. Oh, why are all these bad people dancing? That's too much. I'm going to go somewhere else now. But you can't because they're dancing like in this way that you've never seen anybody dance before. Yeah, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. And I, I think that's something that, that really ties another element of why videos are so successful is that you can see people enjoying the, the music as you're listening to it because there is something to to watching like a little movie play out or, or watching people enjoy the music even if it's just you know a staged kind of thing mm -hmm. that really cements a song in your heart like how many of us have have songs that are our favorites in part because we love the video so much you know like I know for me, Rush by Paul Abdul would not have been that big of a deal if it weren't oh, for the yeah. Keanu Reeves video. <laughs> you know, like, okay, oh, yeah. Your song, but Keanu Reeves was in the video and he was very dreamy. So, you know, that, that yeah, thank you for that. The yeah, that was nice. I'm, I'm just sorry, I'm having a moment of reminiscence. <laughs> yeah, I'll call it that. Do, do you need a um, moment there, Carla? <laughs> taking a moment for myself. <laughs> oh, good times. But there's, there is no getting away from the fact that, yes, the video did kill the radio star. It killed the quote-unquote unappealing radio star who did not fit a certain mold, who mm -hmm. couldn't fit into certain clothes, who couldn't move a certain way. It, it really... There is a lot to be said for the validity of the criticism levied against MTV and videos in general. But I still enjoyed a lot of the videos. So yeah, there you go. That's the human existence. <laughs> yeah. And Jill, did you watch MTV? Uh, oh, heck yeah. <laughs> so this is, the, again, because I'm older than you guys. Uh, this is my era. 81, August 81, summer before my freshman year in high school. So I'm at that prime MTV age. I can even tell you that we watched prior to MTV going on the air on the you know we had cable and cable then was not cable today we didn't have as many channels and there was a still frame saying coming you know coming soon and i remember having that on the screen just like oh my god this is gonna be the best thing ever you know we would watch the still frame like it's it's coming in a few hours we're ready um so i remember it launching i was watching when it launched it, it was the most exciting thing it's all anybody talked about. It, it's so much ingrained in my teenage years. It's surrounded by things that happen on MTV, whether it was the big events like Live Aid, Thriller mm -hmm. coming out with Massive. I can tell you, you know, you talk about where were you when such and such happened? Where were you on 9-11? Where were you? I know where I was when Thriller came on. It's like, I was at Chuck E. Cheese at a birthday party and it was, and I was upset. <laughs> that makes it even better. <laughs> it makes me upset. Being, I was upset because I was going to miss it, but then they had big Aww. screen TVs and they put it on the big screen TVs. So everybody in Chuck E. Cheese was watching Thriller as it came on the air. So, I mean, like all those big events are so ingrained in my, you know, me growing up. So MTV is, is huge for me. So many bands, you know, I probably never would have heard without MTV. And and Live Aid, same thing. I, I know where I was when Live Aid was happening. 
it was live aid it's funny you talk about the two extremes you know it started my freshman year live aid i had graduated and i was in a summer play a school summer all district play and we were building sets when live aid was on and we were you know kind of following on a tv you know there and then when the when the rehearsal was over we i ran home to turn it on on tv so i mean all of those big mtv events you know kind of frame my high school years i also to this day i'm a huge monkeys fan mtv the reason for that is because mtv started playing them in the, in 86 mm-hmm. and um i became a huge fan and i'm still a fan today it's my one of my biggest one of my biggest fandoms so that's mtv um i'm lucky i grew up in the era of mtv when they actually played music <laughs> it's strange to say the music channel doesn't play music anymore but yeah mtv is huge absolutely huge friends talked about videos did you see so-and-so's video yet no i haven't seen it yet and you'd sit and you'd watch and wait for it to come on um and then you discuss it the next day at school you know mtv is huge loved mtv yeah. so much and you know and the vjs they they seem like friends you know i listen to now um uh, the 80s channel on xm radio mm-hmm. and they have the the old vjs and it, they're like old friends it's like you've known them since i was you know a high schooler so yeah, MTV is huge, 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 huge in my childhood. Yeah, and I keep meaning to tell you this, Jill, and I meant to tell you this during the convention one, is when you brought up the monkey show, I had kind of forgotten that I remember after school, we used to go over, and this was when I was, I think I was in junior, I was in junior high, or late elementary, junior high, and we used to go over somewhere after school, and they would, we would always watch it there, and that was my only exposure ever to the monkeys was watching that show there. So it's very, so I do have a distinct memory of it. I just get me to tell you that just because I know how much you love the monkeys. So. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah and that was MTV's fault. Totally MTV's fault. <laughs> yeah, well, that's awesome. And Sarah, did you watch MTV? Oh yeah, I don't. I don't have a clear memory of when it premiered. I think it was six, almost seven. Uh, I was born in 74. So if my math is correct, yeah. But I do remember we had cable and I remember my uh, parents stumbling upon it. And my parents and my brother and I spent the night watching videos. And we're like, what is this? Like, where did this channel come from? And they they were playing, I guess, newer stuff and, and, uh, you know, uh, older videos from the seventies. Um, I seem to remember seeing like some Fleetwood Mac in there and, and, and different bands like that. But yeah, I, I remember watching it growing up. Yes. When it still played videos and music, but I mean, it, it, it did, it, it changed, it, it, it changed music. I don't want to say change music forever. It really didn't. But I mean, it really did change the way that we experience music. And I think MTV also, like Carla was saying, I mean, you're now not, you're not, not just consuming it on the radio, having no idea what the artists look like. Now they're more interested in appearance than actual talent. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it, it especially you know, not, maybe not necessarily uh, for all genres of music, but definitely pop music. It's more of what you look like than what, you know, what can you actually sing? 
but that's just that's just my opinion and i think mcv played a big part in that you know it's it it was now the whole package you needed you needed the look you needed to be able to you know a, a dance a certain way or or whatever I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing or a bad thing, but, you know, again, I loved every minute of it. <laughs> uh, you know, was a huge Madonna fan back in the day, you know, absolutely worshipped her when I was like 10. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Her, Cindy Lauper. And I mean, you couldn't, between Madonna and, and Michael Jackson, you just couldn't, I mean, they, they were your king and queen of pop in the 80s. That was the 80s. So yeah, I mean, MTV, big part of my childhood, <laughs> you know, and as, as I got older, you know, and it, they stopped playing videos and we got more into the reality TV and what was it? Um, the real the world, real world. Real world. No, I mean, I remember watching it. I, I was a teenager when that came out and I remember watching it, but then they started getting into to more of that stuff. And now, you know, the teen mom and, and, you know, Jersey Shore. Don't get me started on Jersey Shore. Being from New Jersey, that show just bugs me. So now I don't, yeah. I mean, my kids don't even know what MTV is. They, I don't yeah. think they've ever even watched it at this point. And as a teenager, I mean, that's almost all I watched was MTV. You know, they'll watch videos. You know, if they want to watch a band video, they just pull it up on YouTube. You know, there's no, there's no that, that excitement of sitting in front of the TV, knowing your favorite artist's uh new video is going to premiere and waiting for it. They don't, they don't have that experience anymore. And, and I had the equivalent of the, you know, sitting by the, the radio with your tape recorder, waiting for your favorite song to come on record. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, I had, God. I, I oh, still yes, have them. Yes. I, I still have them. I have videotapes of music videos that I loved. And oh I have, yeah. Two yeah. hour long tapes of all the music videos I loved. And yep. I would sit and wait with the record button because yeah. I knew my favorite band was coming in. I'd hit record and I'd get that video and turn it off and then wait. They'd say, yep. you know, so-and-so's coming back up. Oh, go off. Get that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I still have oh, no, exactly. like, two videos. Of For me, if I, didn't, if I didn't time it exactly right, like the way that I wanted to, I would be like, well, that's it. I'm going to have to record over it and like come back <laughs> and, and re-record it later. And I would do that until mm -hmm. I got it exactly right where I didn't get the VJ and I didn't get overlap from another video. It's just the straight video. And then the ending of the video, boom, it's done. Okay, cool. Now I can keep it. The same thing with, with recording stuff off the radio. Oh, yeah. I'm just sitting there oh, and like, yeah. oh, got it. Okay, the DJ didn't talk over it. There wasn't a car commercial overlapping. <laughs> it, it's perfect now. Okay, cool. I can go on with my life. But it became like this big, just, you know, obsessive thing where it's like, okay, if it's not right, it's not, I'm not keeping it. I'm just re-recording. <laughs> I wasn't yeah. that precise, but uh, no, I, I wasn't either. But yeah, a lot of mine, a lot of mine, roll was. over to a fade out of one song into the new song. <laughs> That's but the funny thing is, you know, of course, then who knew there was going to be YouTube? So I saved them with the idea that I'd never, you know, that years later I could go look back on my videos, and there was probably you know a decade, you know, there in the nineties where these were cool to have it's like you never see these anymore they don't play music anymore they don't play these songs you can't mm -hmm. find the videos and yeah. now it's like they're obsolete because now all those songs are on youtube <laughs> i don't yeah. need those videos anymore but it's still cool that you have them though yeah i think that's still cool that you have that physical 
thing that you can actually like touch that you have. I don't know. I think there's something more special about that in a way than just having that thing that's on the internet, <laughs> the thing right. that's out there that's virtual and that you actually. And it's kind of fun physical. to put them in and just let them run. And yeah. it's almost like watching MTV again. You're just watching all your videos yeah. back to back. Oh, so you actually do have a VCR? I do still. Wow. I still have boxes oh, of VC, VCA um, tapes that I have not dubbed over yet. That I need to do because they're starting to disintegrate. They need to get moved. You need to save those. That's but yeah, so cool. I do still have one. It's covered in dust, but I have it. <laughs> See, I still, I live in a sea of regret that years ago, because I needed to get rid of stuff, I had boxes of VHS, like videos that were like, uh, they weren't um, videos of uh, from MTV or anything, but they were like movies or television shows or episodes, stuff like that. And I threw them all away because I was like, I'm never going to watch these and I don't have a VCR anymore. And I regret that to this day because... I mean, it's just, yeah, just all of that just thrown away in the trash. But what I have a lot of these are like whatever fandoms I was in, you know, whoever, whatever actor I loved. I have a lot of like interviews on talk shows. Me too. And those are things you can't find. And so as I'm going through them, I keep, I I go and I look and I see if they're already on YouTube. And then if they're not, I upload them to YouTube before I get rid of the tape. Um, See, that's so smart. But yeah, that's why I can't throw them away because they're not even like movies. They're like snippets from shows and things that you're never going to get again. I shouldn't have thrown away because I had tons of interviews with actors and st- that that I loved and through the years. And yeah, yeah, that'll never get back. But well, MTV was different for me, I think, than my other panelists because, well, number one, we didn't have cable at all when I was growing up I, for years. I don't think we got cable until I think it was like the late 80s or something. There was a time in my life where all we had was a TV that only got PBS, but you couldn't see the picture. So it was just, you heard the sound of PBS at first. And then later it was the picture. So we didn't, my mom was very much like, we're not going to watch TV. This isn't going to be, you know, a thing. And then we later did get TV, but it was just regular, the regular stations. And I always wanted cable, of course, but I would go over to friends' houses and watch it. But I actually did not like videos. For a long time, it took me a long time to actually like them. There were some that I liked, like to this day, when I hear the song Take On Me by Aha, I want to cry because that video makes me cry. I, <laughs> I think that's the most, yes. And just the cartoon coming, when she goes into the cartoon and then it kind of comes to life. And it's like, a, I'm just a cheesy, I'm a romantic at heart. As much as I love horror, I'm a romantic at heart. And so to me, it was like, this is so romantic and amazing. And then there were other videos later on, but I don't think I really appreciated videos until I was older. And then also when VH1 came along, which we'll talk about that at some point too, because VH1 to me uh, showed the video, the better videos and the better bands. And then they had pop-up video, which was like the best show ever where you'd watch the videos and it have the pop-up facts. I love Pop-up watching. video was the best. Absolutely the best. Yes, and then behind that deserves like its own show because that (laughs) pop-up video was. I lived for that. It was so awesome to be like, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that fact. Yeah, we'll have to do episodes on that and behind the music. I love. Oh, I was obsessed with behind the music. (laughs) Oh my god. Yes, I mean it was always the same storyline. Yeah. (laughs) And the Simpsons parody episode is is classic, but. Yeah, even even if it was a band or an artist I didn't like, I still watched it. I was obsessed. With oh, me too. Me too. 
Yeah, because I just love music and seeing that behind the scenes stuff. So I didn't get into it more until that came along. Um, but I appreciate it more now with the fact that once MTV basically should have been called RTV, reality television, because they just stopped. I mean, and granted, I think, and we're, we'll cover it at some point, I think the first season, the first couple of seasons of The Real World are actually really good and really good television, but it became trash, you know, of course, like a lot of things do. But it is true also that videos, you know, videos kind of took away something from music, I think, in some respects, because of the fact that it kind of glamorized music in a way where like we've said, it was all about appearances and looks and you had to fit a certain mold and making a story to fit along with the song. And if you weren't going to make a good video, you might not sell as many records. You might not. So it became all part of the commerce of music. And I think it hurt some artists that weren't like, you know, commercial artists and didn't fit a certain mold. And even though MTV would eventually have, you know, they'd have like certain hours devoted to certain things and certain genres of music, I think it still was hard for certain artists to fit that. And I think for artists that weren't new and weren't coming along at that time, I think it was harder for them, like people that came out of the 70s and the 60s to continue to stay relevant in that world. So I think those were some of the downfalls So of that. But now we're going to, and at some point, we're just going to cover MTV and we'll cover ABH1 and all sorts of stuff like that. I would like to say, I think, I think the benefit of MTV, at least for me, was that they, early on, they didn't have them broken down. So I was exposed to music I never would have been exposed to. You know, um, I knew artists from R&B. It's not really my thing, but I knew who they were because they played on MTV and they played back to back with the pop songs and the hair bands and yeah. the, they just kind of mm -hmm. rotated. And so I think that ex there was some benefit to that, that it exposed you to a, a wider range of music. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I think there are definitely benefits, but I just think like some bands that were coming over through other genres and couldn't figure or through other decades, I mean, and couldn't figure out how to kind of utilize that and couldn't figure out how to fit into that mold. I think it was hard for them, but you know, but that's just, I think that's the downside of anything. It's like when CDs came along and tapes came along and all that kind of stuff, you know, because I do remember records and having certain records and making up our own little plays to the records. I remember uh, George Thorogood's Bad to the Bone and listening to that and creating our own little scenario where one where we were in a classroom and one of us played the teacher and <laughs> we were breaking the rules and we were playing bad to the bone and that's <laughs> we were we were very very hip kids okay well, we're gonna get into some of the genres and just go around and I know some people might not have any bands for any of these that's fine and talk about some I've kind of combined a lot. So let's first start with pop. You can also mention like female singers, um, anything like that that you think fits into pop. So what are some of your favorites, Carla? Definitely George Michael, if we're talking about pop. I love George Michael so much. And, you know, Wham, I, I love Wham, but I, I love George Michael more than pretty much anything. And I, I think before I even really got into 80s music he was always just kind of there sitting in the background of my mind because there were so many so many songs that 
um, that I just enjoyed that I didn't think of. I was like, oh, you know, like it's what people are listening to now. Therefore, it's, I'm not going to listen to it. God, I was such an annoying person. Like, I did that too, though. I did that too. <laughs> <laughs> like reverse hipsters, you know, like, yes. <laughs> you know, instead of, of being the first to try new things, it's like, I'm going to be the last one into this. I'm not interested. If it's if it's from this decade, forget it. Definitely George Michael and Michael Jackson. But you know, again, being in in Mexico in that time, a, a lot of the artists that that I really loved were, or, or either from Mexico or or just from around the world. Because if, if there's one thing that I find is that growing up in Mexico, we were exposed to music from just all over the place, and then. In the U.S., it's, it's either the U.K. and the U.S. and nobody else really exists, which I'm like, you're missing out on so much good stuff, you know. So we had we had uh, a lot of, of of groups that I really loved, and solo artists that they just kind of you know end up falling in the back of my mind because I just don't get exposed to them as much because now that I live here, they just don't show up pretty much anywhere. Like Tatiana is, is a huge, when, when I was growing up, she was a huge artist. Now she does mostly music for kids, but back then she was like the pop girl. And also Lucero, who is not only a, one of the, the most popular singers from my time growing up, but she's also one of the, the most popular novela actresses. And I, I love her voice. I love her voice is, 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 especially back then, was just really unpretentious and just poppy and catchy and joyful. And we we had this this TV show every year called Juguemos a Cantar, which means let's pretend to be singers. And it's like all of these kid acts that get time and then, you know, um, to, to sing and dance on, on TV and then you buy their records. So like it's a, compil a compilation record. And there are so many songs from that, that my sister and I, not, not my youngest sister, cause she's, she was born in 89. So, you know, she wasn't cool like the rest of us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but my other sister was born in 81 and I was born in 78. And she and I still to this day, will sing these songs back and forth to each other. But of the acts that, that you and the panel would be more familiar with, yes, definitely George Michael and and Michael Jackson. I was never really much of a fan of Madonna. Her, her music, her sound, uh, her style were, were very, you know, innovative, innovative in everything at the time. But she always got on my nerves. Like there was something about her that just screamed mean girl <laughs> to me. And also... I, I think her, her voice is overrated. I, I think her voice is really annoying. I, I, I don't think she's a good singer. She's a good entertainer. She's not a good singer. So for, for like bands and stuff, from here, the, definitely the Bangles, because they're, they're, especially because I have like very distinct memories of the Bangles from uh, going grocery shopping with my parents. <laughs> because they would play Eternal Flame on the overhead as we're walking and i remember distinctly we're walking by the the prohibited um bulk candy aisle that i was oh, not yeah. allowed to even look at and all of a sudden i hear close your eyes 
give me your hand. I was like, what is that? It was the most beautiful thing I had ever heard in my life. And I'm just standing there transfixed and my parents don't understand that I'm going through this like huge moment in my life. They just want me to move on so that we can go and get the milk. I'm like, you don't understand. This song is everything about my heart. I have no idea what the song is about, but I know that it speaks to me. And of course, I, you know, I don't have a cell phone. I don't have Shazam. So I don't know what the song is. I don't know who sings it. And it was years before finally, finally I heard it on, on the radio. Like when it was actually at the right place at the right time for somebody to be like, and this is the Bengals with their great hit, Eternal Flame. And I was like, oh, it has a name. It does exist. It wasn't just in my mind. But then also the Pointer Sisters, because they're, they're you know, fantastic. They have so many amazing songs that are just classics. And uh, back to, to my Mexico thing, Timbiriche huge group they're still to this day touring sometimes with the original group sometimes with their reincarnations and whatever menudo which i mean i hope everybody knows who who menudo is i mean like you don't get ricky martin if you don't have menudo and chayanne if you know who chayanne is who is also fantastic and flans flans is my favorite girl group their songs are fantastic if you want to listen to some solid 80s pop mexican Singers, check out Flans because they are amazing. Awesome. Yeah, I, we're going to have to do, because I'm working, I've been working on this forever. I have a reminder that comes up every day to work on it, and I kind of have put it aside. But we're putting together a Spotify playlist that is associated with the podcast. So we'll definitely have to put some of these bands in there, especially if they're bands that people haven't heard of. I think that's also really important, too. So, Jill, do you have any favorites in, that fit into this category? Yeah, the, probably my biggest pop um, artist of the 80s was probably Rick Springfield. Yes! Um, <laughs> Rick, was, Rick was my first non, my first concert without a parent. I still had an adult there supervising, but it was my first time to a concert without my parents there. It was at Red Rocks. For anybody who's not in Colorado, Red Rocks, and don't know about Red Rocks, Red Rocks is an outdoor amphitheater that... Um, in the U2 Under a Blood Red Sky concert video. It's a beautiful venue. And for anybody in Colorado, it's just, it's the place to go see a show. Um, mm -hmm. It was at Red Rocks. At that point, now Red Rocks is partially general mission, partially um, um, you know, assigned seats. And I think you can only come in, you know, a couple hours before the show. Back then, you it was all general mission. And you'd go in eight o'clock in the morning and you'd sit all day. Uh, you'd stake out your spot. And um, it poured rain, poured rain all day. You know, there were red waterfalls coming off the rocks. Um, they were running down behind the back of the seats. And then you're sitting on the ground. There's no real seats. That's just concrete and, and yeah. wood benches. Um, so the, we were underneath a plastic tarp. And because people left to go sit in their cars, we got to move down closer. So um, that was my first Rick Springfield concert. Um, it's a big memory, but uh, yeah, I loved Rick. There were a lot of like pop acts that I liked, but they weren't favorites, but they probably should be mentioned. Whitney Houston was huge. I also really liked the police. I don't know where the police fit. I was trying to figure out what category the police, they're not really pop. They're like alternative kind of is where people, yeah, but it was also, okay. there was a new British invasion that happened yeah, in yeah. the 80s. And so they so, definitely fit. Right. Yeah. So the police were huge. I guess when we were, we were going to talk about boy bands. Um, I feel like I fell in an era between boy bands. So there were boy bands of the 70s, 60s and 70s. And there were boy bands of the late 80s, which is like mm -hmm. 
um, New Edition and all those groups came in. Um, so I kind of missed the boy band thing, except for Menudo. They were my only boy band <laughs> that I loved when Ricky Martin was still just a little pea in a pod. He was a little tiny, teeny <laughs> little thing. But yeah, I did enjoy Menudo. Menudo did have a moment on MTV where they came over and, and mm. were, were popular for a bit. But yeah, so Rick Springfield, though, was probably the biggest one for me. Yeah, I love. And he was also in General Hospital. <laughs> I love Rick Springfield. I thought I mean, he, he was, was also on Supernatural. I was just going to say, I thought he was good on Supernatural. I love him on yeah, Supernatural. I thought he did a great job. Yes, thank you. I will defend that forever. Because <laughs> I know he did you that. You will defend I it with me, Aaron. I mean, somebody had to like him. <laughs> and I will say, Rick Springfield still puts on a damn good show. That doesn't surprise me. I like him. He's he's pretty amazing. Yeah, I like him in general. I still think they should have had him sing one of his songs on Supernatural, but whatever. (laughs) That was the missed opportunity. So, Sarah, do you have some favorites for this guy? Well, I already mentioned Madonna. You know, was was definitely a favorite of mine. Was never much of a Michael Jackson fan. You know, I know he... I, I, I liked his music, but wasn't uh you know more of a casual fan i would say uh but yeah madonna madonna was definitely my favorite um i had the gloves and you know the the the, not the hair well i mean everyone had big hair in the 80s it was the 80s you know if you weren't using a can of uh aquanet every time you did your hair or crimping (laughs) or crimping yes were you were you really in the 80s and uh the Go-Go's. Love the Go-Go's. <laughs> Still love the Go-Go's. I was more of the 80s, more into the 80s rock as opposed to the pop music. I think I have my parents to blame for that um, because they would listen to Huey Lewis in the News. Well, that's uh, pop, in my opinion. It, yeah, it's like pop rock, I guess. I don't I don't know. Uh, in Excess, Genesis uh you know a lot of bands like that that's what they listen to so that's kind of what i grew up listening to but you know i i did have some of my pop favorites and uh, oh debbie gibson like later 80s absolutely love debbie gibson i know i know i know that and tiffany (laughs) no shame there loved loved both of them yeah and tiffany i was more debbie gibson than tiffany i was i was making fergie listen to that She was not a fan, but <laughs> I used to love. I think Electric Youth came out when yes. I first got here, and I had no idea what she That's... was saying because I didn't really know any English. I, but I was like, "Oh, this sounds really, really like a good song," and I, I don't know what she's talking about. Yeah, it was just very catchy. It yes, really was. Yeah. it was very catchy. But yeah, I was more of that, and of course, uh, Bon Jovi. Uh, because I grew up in New Jersey, and I think it's written in our state constitution that we have to be Bon Jovi fans or Bruce Springsteen, really both. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, what do you mean you're from New Jersey and not a Bruce Springsteen fan? Well, but I am. But anyway, but again, that's more, you know, more rock, rock than anything else. Oh, God, who else? Yeah, I liked Whitney Houston and uh, Tina Turner in the 80s, you know, not realizing she had a career before that. Yeah, I think that's about it for me with uh, with pop stars. Oh, yes, and of course, Wham, George Michael. Absolutely yeah. love George Michael. 
Yeah, I can't believe I forgot to mention that even after Carla mentioned it. I'm like, oh, yes, Wham. Oh, I loved Wham. Had, had their poster on my wall. And oh, yeah. yeah. All of that. I had I had my Choose Life t-shirt. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, and just. Frankie says relax or. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And just as a reminder, we did do a George Michael episode that has taken off in the past couple of months and another one of our and our elton john episode as well so that leads me to believe we need to be doing more music episodes which we will be doing i'm very happy about that because i love music but yeah that's that's now in our top 10 episodes <laughs> it's the george michael one and it's one of our most popular live streams too so we did it as a live stream as well and i love george michael and wham i won't add much to that huey lewis in the news was my very first concert and that was also at Red Rocks. I think growing up in Colorado, I was very lucky with having Red Rocks because honestly, there is nothing like seeing a concert at Red Rocks. And I remember, because then I remember later on going there all the time. And I remember it used to be, you could get reserved seats in the middle later on, and then but the general admission would be the front rows. So you would go so early. I remember doing that for John Mellencamp the first time I saw him. And you'd be camping out for like hours just to get a good seat. And we got like two rows back or something. Oh, it was four rows back with John Mellencamp. And that was just awesome, awesome, awesome. So yeah, Huey Lewis was definitely number one. I Billy Joel, I think kind of fits into the pop as well. Billy Joel was the second concert I saw, not at Red Rocks. And that was amazing too. Both of these were with adults because I was a kid, but they were still so much fun. And I Billy Joel was like my number one favorite for years and years and years and I still love him there was a time where I was kind of like I don't like Billy Joel anymore and then when I got older and became an adult I liked him again oh yeah I, I Billy Joel has been my all-time favorite since I was a kid and my mom used to have to play only the good die young over and over <laughs> and over and over again for me when I was like six years old which uh, <laughs> my, uh, I didn't know what it meant <laughs> When you're young, you listen to stuff. <laughs> later, you're like, oh my gosh, I listen to this. <laughs> it was like the uh, Meatloaf Paradise well, by the Dashboard yeah, Light. Like they would mentioned. play all the time, too. And I knew all the words and didn't realize what the song was about until I was a teenager. I'm like, oh my God, my parents let me listen to this. <laughs> yes, I think that that's that yeah, well, a lot. My grandparents but... were not thrilled. <laughs> yeah. My eight year old who's here with me and listening to, to this wants me to, to mention. He, he wants me to mention that one of the songs that I, uh, because for bedtime songs, like, I don't know lullabies. I don't know, you know, soft, gentle music for children. So I would just sing him whatever came into my mind at, at the time. And one of them is one of the songs that I was obsessed with, which is um, uh, uh, the Downey Star Alexa by Billy Joel. So so he he's known it by heart for like three years now. And I'm sitting there singing, singing to him this this tragic song about the, the sinking fishing business in Massachusetts in, in, the, in the Northeast. And, you know, we're, we're just like going along with it and he loves it. And, you know, like eventually, like I started, and eventually I explained to him like what it's about. And then I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I also, a big one for me um, was I loved Pat Benatar so much. Pat Benatar and Sheena Easton were like 
tops for me when I was a kid. I listened to their records like constantly. I miss records so much. And it was just so awesome to listen to them. And I would like, you know, act out things. And and their talk about music videos that were cool were those ones as well. And I just, their style was awesome. So they were like tops for me. And then Madonna came along. And I want to say, I do not like Madonna anymore. I think Lady Gaga is the genuine version of what Madonna was trying to be. Because I think she's more genuine than Madonna ever was. Yes. And she's more talented. Thousand times. Definitely. But I did still love Madonna when I was growing up. I wanted to be her. I listened to her album, True Blue, like all the time. I wanted like the, the you know, just the way she dressed, her fashion, her gloves, her clothes, everything. She was like, ah, you know, plus she seemed to be a little bit like she was a rule breaker and edgy and all that stuff. So, yeah, I liked her. Um, Samantha Fox. I mentioned Samantha Fox on an episode not too long ago. I. She was like, to me, she was like that, you know, dangerous kind of because she used to be a porn star. Oh, sorry. I forgot. There's a kid right there. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> but, but, but your phone popped out at the perfect time. I thought it wasn't in there. So that's okay. So she used to work in a different industry. And, <laughs> but I loved her. And I, her, I remember having her tape. And having the cassette, and I remember going, I said this on the other episode, but going to California, driving there, and I took pictures of the the tape cover. Why? Don't ask me. But to me, it was important to do. So she was another big one. Okay, so just to say, um, Pat Benatar, a lot of people know what the first video on MTV was. Pat Benatar was the second video played Oh yeah, on that's MTV. Right. You I Better Run was the, was the second video. She was, oh, she was my, I, she was like my hero. <laughs> I loved her so much. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Okay, so let's move on to hip-hop and R&B. And, um, you know, there was also, you know, what was known as gangster rap also kind of started coming around in the 80s as well. Um, and this was another genre that when we mentioned uh, MTV at first, they wouldn't play a lot of this stuff. Um, and I also want to say, because I think it would fit kind of in the pop, but kind of not. None of us mentioned Prince. So I just want to quickly give a shout out to Prince because I can't believe we didn't mention Prince because I love Wait, Prince. Prince. You have it on there? And her hip hop and R&B. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, you have it. Down. Okay. Yeah. Because Prince is amazing. And I was very blessed to see Prince in concert later on in his life. Um, and I still regret he had everybody go to a bar after he was done. And he was going to be there and we didn't go. And I do not understand why we didn't go, but I regret that to this day. It was one of the stupidest decisions I have ever made in my life. I think it was because it was a work night or something. And we're like, no, we're not going to. I'm no! so mad at myself for that. I'm still kick myself for that. But that, that was amazing. And Shaka Khan opened for him. Uh, yeah, it was. Oh my gosh. That was so, that was an amazing concert. I've been very blessed and lucky. So what are some of your favorite ones in this category, Carla? Before I tell you my favorites, because if there's one thing that's like a bit of a pet peeve of mine, 
is that oftentimes people will conflate R&B and, um, and hip hop. And beyond that, there's this uh, constant miscategorization of artists into R&B just because they're black and people don't want to acknowledge that they're that they're mm-hmm. rock or that they're pop or whatever the case may be. So, and from a lot of what I'm going to be telling you, audience, comes from um, a site called Masterclass. It's an article called R&B Music Guide, The Evolution of Rhythm and Blues. And from iconcollective.edu, um, Hip Hop History from the Streets to the Mainstream. And again, like, to me, it's very important to point to the reason why these musical genres exist in the first place. Because while we're talking about, you know, pop and and heavy metal and all of these genres that flourished in the 80s, they owe a lot of their their beginnings to R&B and hip hop. So R&B started in the 40s, it's rooted in Southern church music. Then in the 50s, R&B and rock and roll share a lot of the same DNA. But in the 60s, the decision of whether an artist was categorized as rock and roll R&B is primarily dependent on whether the artist is black or white. So they, they can be singing pretty much the same exact thing, but in the charts and in uh, on the radio, it's going to depend on their race for how they're categorized, which is a ridiculous thing. Then from the 60s, R&B evolves into something closer to soul and then funk and then disco in the 70s. So by the time that the, that the 80s roll around, the music has gone from being driven by guitars to keyboards and synthesizers. And then in the later part of the 80s, you have the incorporation of R- of hip hop into R&B and then the birth of the new Jack Swing style. So like that's where, I, you know, I'm going to kind of stop the, the, the lesson on what R&B is because, uh, it, it, because it, it just it evolves so much more from then on. Um, but in the 80s, one of the, the interesting things is that you get the virtuoso element of, of singing. And that defines, it cements itself as the defining element of the genre, which is a very long way to get around to saying that Mariah Carey is the R&B singer who holds the number one place in my heart. Um, Because she really, I think, epitomizes everything that R&B is is in the 80s, that, that virtuosic style of singing with all of the runs and all of the very precise hitting of the notes the, everything about her, her style at that point, is a lot of what R&B is. And yes, of course, there's Whitney Houston. There's no denying her immense influence and talent. But then, like hip hop, hip hop started in the Bronx in the early '70s, and with the white flight upending New York's economic system, and leading to the struggles of of uh, the conditions of want and struggle, particularly. And I'm going to quote directly from the article um, from icon collective conditions worsened in neighborhoods prominently populated by african-americans puerto ricans and caribbean immigrants urban despair also brought rising crime uh, gang violence and and poverty consequently businesses closed their doors causing many economic opportunities and sources of entertainment to evaporate as a result urban youth turned to the streets for recreation and self-expression so hip-hop is an art it's uh, a genre that developed out of um, frustration and then the need for letting out some steam and and entertaining themselves and you know like you get a, this fusion of elements like the the whole DJ thing 
is born out of uh, out of a Jamaican. I forget exactly what it's called, but where they they bring around like a, a, a truck with music and with somebody who's kind of leading the show. And so I, I think that that beyond the the importance of acknowledging the role of of black people in um, just in music, just you know, to just putting it out there, it's important to know the the history of these genres in particular, if we're going to be talking about them at all. But yeah, so for for R and B, I, I I love Mariah Carey. I, I I love her artistry, how she's evolved over the years, and where she was in that particular place in time where her music was more. Um, was I guess relatively innocent in comparison to what R and B is now, and also like the polish in her image, which which is again attributed a lot to her looks and the, the proximity of her looks to what what is acceptable as far as your Eurocentric white Western ideals, and then for for hip hop. You know, you can't mention hip hop without mentioning the Sugar Hill Gang and Rapper's Delight, which is just, it's, it's a joy to listen to, no matter the fact that it's like a million years long. It's long, man. It's, yeah, so it's long. very long. But still, like, it comes on and I'm like, yeah, I am one Mike. And yes, 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 you are. And I love hearing you rap. Um, but I love Run DMC. Like, for me, they, they're the, the, the best of 80s hip hop. Um, when they pair up with with Aerosmith to do Walk This Way, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, my jaw was on the floor the first time that I saw that video and heard that song. It was just so thrilling to see the combination of Steven Tyler's voice and then Run DMC's rap. And it just, oh, just, oh, elevated that song well beyond where it deserved to be before that. <laughs> and Salt and Peppa, okay, like... Love them so much. And I know that they themselves are not huge fans of, of the song Push It, which is, you know, it, it put them on the map, but they're they're like, Ugh. you know, like they're, they're tired of it. They're like, we're so done because it's not what they wanted to put out. It's just like what, what ha- they happen to be told to do and whatever. But it's still a classic. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like it comes on and I'm still like, yeah, push it good. Like the amount of jokes that my husband and I make, make you know, like when we're, when, you, you know, the the drawer didn't close all the way. Did you push it? But did you push it good? <laughs> you know, it's it's priceless and will always have a place in our hearts. Um, and then as far as the whole thing with gangster rap, anytime, anytime that a um that anything that is particularly that black people make successful and have success in, it gets decried one way or another as being bad or dirty or you know, evil or whatever. So you have this push in uh, turning um, the, the nascent rap genre into this horrible criminal enterprise. Like, oh, it's it's gangster rap. It's like, okay, is it really though? Are they saying anything significantly different than what the Rolling Stones were saying? You know, is, is it, what is it that you're objecting to when you're talking about the lyrics? You're talking about, people that have been brutally disenfranchised over and over and over. You want them to play nice by your standards and then you won't let them play nice by any standards. And then they choose to not play that and play nice at all. And you demonize them even further for that. You know what? Go to hell. Okay. So it's, it's just music. If you don't like it, you don't have to listen to it, but 
putting the label of gangster rap on it just for the sake of squashing it and and having all of these little old white suburban months come out and you know mount congressional hearings to censor them that, that's it's very transparent that that it's uh a racism thing and not a music thing yeah thank thank you Car- and thank you for adding that that history in there there's a great netflix series now i can't remember the name of it dang it oh that covers like all it goes through uh different years and genres talking about what is the name I, I think of that? It's like the history hip-hop, of hip-hop evolution okay I, I think that's i think that's what it's called <laughs> <laughs> sorry i'm gonna have to look that up but that it's a great documentary i highly recommend that so thank you for also mentioning a lot of that because that that is that is important so thank you um my pleasure and jill what do you have in- this definitely is not my genre there is nobody i don't think there's anybody in this genre that I would call a favorite of mine to somebody who I, you know, really listen to maybe other than Michael Jackson. Um, and I wouldn't even call Michael Jackson a favorite. Definitely listen to him. You couldn't live in the eighties and not listen to Michael Jackson, but I, you know, he wasn't one of my favorites. And it's, I mean, Prince, Prince is in there. Uh, again, I, I like Prince. I like the hits. I, I don't know that I owned a Prince album. And then as far as hip hop, um, really, the only hip hop I liked was kind of the crossover. You, know, you talk about Run DMC and Aerosmith. Um, you know, I kind of consider that a, a bit of a crossover. It's not hardcore hip hop. MC Hammer, kind of the same thing. He was kind of more mainstream, kind of, you know. It it doesn't hurt that Run DMC sampled a monkey song um, in Mary Mary. So that, that helps. But again, I didn't own a Run DMC album, I own the Mary Mary single. <laughs> And I don't own an MC Hammer album, uh, but I but I love Can't Touch This, and I'll sing it at the top of my lungs every time it's on, and wish I could do that little dance, that little MC Hammer <laughs> dance, and the pants, and the pants. But yeah, I uh, you know it, I, there are certain songs and certain acts I like particular songs about in this in this genre, but it's it's not really one that that speaks to me. And Sarah, did you have any? Yeah, kind of the same as Jill. Um, it wasn't. It was never really my genre of uh, my preferred genre of music. Yeah, there were there were individual songs that I liked. I mean, how can how can anyone not love Prince? You know, and I did listen to Michael Jackson. wasn't a huge fan. Absolutely loved the Run DMC crossover with uh, Aerosmith, and then later on, uh, uh, Anthrax and Public Enemy put out bring the noise uh so a little you know uh the crossover there too i i, I don't i think that was 90s i don't think that was 80s you know and hip-hop i didn't really know much about it do beastie boys count beastie <laughs> does that count, count as hip-hop beastie boys count yeah, they do rap hip-hop rap and hip-hop um yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah i mean i i remember uh when uh you know fight for your right to party came out and I so wanted License to Bill, like begged my parents to buy me this album and my mom absolutely refused to, but yet my cousin had it. And I'm like, why can, why is it she can have it and I can't, Ugh. you know, because I was, you know, a bratty 10 year old or whatever at the time. But yeah, typically not uh, my preferred uh, genre of music. Uh, not that I don't appreciate it because I do. That's just what I listen to music there's you know that's not my not my go-to 
Yeah, that that video for Fight for Your Right to Party when they bang through the wall. <laughs> cheesy i mean i mean their songs are not cheesy but i was, I was so in the 80s, into right? the song i was very much into the song until i saw the video and i was so oh, mad really? at destroying the house i was like that is so rude do you know how much the parents are gonna have to That's work incredible. to pay that off oh like that was always my, my thing you know like this, this is what, what what happens when you're when you're raised in mexico and then come here and every all of your immigrants it's like you, you get very stuck on the do you know how much it's going to cost to pay for that? Do you know how many more shifts I'm going to have to, to work to cover? Did you mean really to get your little friends out here and have them fix it? You That's broke right. it. <laughs> I awesome. was so mad. I was so mad. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, and I want to, cause I know that, you know, Prince and um, Michael Jackson brought up to me, especially Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson to me is always so pop, but I think Michael Jackson can cross a lot of, a lot of genres. Same with, same with Prince, but you also had, uh, cause Carla took almost all of mine. Um, <laughs> except for that young just means MC. we both have good taste. Yes, exactly. Except for young MC, you didn't, you didn't take that one. <laughs> yes. See, there's plenty out there for the both of us. And I'm like, that one's taken, that one's taken, that one's taken. <laughs> So ditto to what Carla said. <laughs> but salt and pepper, it was just like, that to me was like, um, that was also along with like when I mentioned Samantha Fox and that kind of thing of like breaking the rules when you were younger listening to that because some of the stuff they talked about and especially that it was women doing that. I think that's also important to mention with that because I know they got a lot of pushback because of that. They got a lot of criticism because- sexism of course you know played into that too along with racism and so you had both of that and but they were just you know rule breakers and i actually learned to appreciate them more now even more than i did then to be honest like they're still in my spotify playlist most of these people are honestly like i said this is my favorite genre so (laughs) i mean decade not genre decade um so all these genres are my favorite genres (laughs) country which as you notice i did not put on <laughs> uh, i'm not exactly tearing up about it yeah except for johnny cash and dolly parton they can, <laughs> they can stay but yeah i mean so carla took all of my i'm very <laughs> but but yeah i mean a lot of these were to me it was like a lot of the music in the 80s as cheesy as it was there were some of them that they were very sexual a lot of it in every genre. I mean, Prince was like sex, sex, sex. And the reason I listened to Prince so much was my mom loved Prince. And my mom would listen to Prince constantly. And that's how I got exposed to Prince was through that. And a lot of these bands, like my dad and my mom both listened to a lot of just a wide variety. I mean, my dad listened to basically every genre decade you could think of. His room was wall to wall with records and reel to reels and CDs and tapes of every genre. So, and every artist you could think of, but yeah, I do think it's important, you know, like Carla said, to remember that we would not have any of the music we have without black artists starting out and without R&B without going way, way, way back. I mean, we have stolen 
white people have stolen everything and this is another thing that has been stolen so yeah oh shout out to the blondie song what was the name of that blondie song that she did rapture. uh thank you yes that rapture. song it was yes. a rapture i think were, were debbie harry rapped on that one? yeah yeah yes. I, think it was I think that was i think that was one yeah so shout out to that song i wanted to not forget that because all of a sudden that popped into my head and beastie boys i didn't actually get into beastie boys honestly until i was an adult but I, and they are amazing human beings too. A, a lot of the artists on these lists on every single genre are amazing human beings with, you know, the exception of, I'm sure some of the ones in the heavy metal. I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> just kidding. No, sorry. they're wonderful they people. <laughs> sorry. I just, I <laughs> My just being the lone metal fan Oh, here. she's being provocative. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, well, let's move on to the category that I have 100 bands in. Um, <laughs> I'll try and keep it short and brief. Um, but new wave, synth pop, alternative. There was also the new British, British invasion that happened. So, Carla, what are some of your favorites in this Okay, I had to exercise so much restraint for this category because I was like, yes, this is my jam. Me it's too. like all of, and you don't, okay, like, okay, so listen, all right, when we're talking about 80s music and we're talking about that 80s music that's like on my playlist, it's mostly this stuff. Same. All right? And the thing is, though, Same. I feel like, like this category is jam-packed with one-hit wonders. You know, they, they there are so many amazing songs that mean a lot to me but that i could not name a single other song by <laughs> by their bands or singers and you know like that, that's fine i feel like that was part of the the 80s you know the 80s was really when you had more <laughs> of a disposability in artists because you're cycling through so many because you have this quick exposure through video and then you get bored of them because it's like that 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 nonstop cycle of just playing the, the same few songs over and over again. You get tired of them, and then somebody else new comes along with one great song, and then that's that the same cycle again and again. Which is why you end up with you know Mr. Mister, um, oh, and you know take these broken wings and only play the song until the next one comes in when we hear. Another hit from another band. You'll know that that's just it because it's like going to be another one hit wonder. That's just what, what it's going to be. Like that's all that ever happens. And that's that's part of the, the joy and the drama and the tragedy of the 80s and 80s music. You know, it, it's littered with the corpses. <laughs> Perfectly good bands that may have had other good music. Who the hell knows? I certainly don't. But for the ones that, that, that uh, really like uh, made it through the morass and through the clutter for me, definitely the pretenders. They're, they're just one of my favorites, you know, just because, okay, it's Chrissy Hine, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. That is a singular voice. That is a voice that you cannot replicate. You cannot uh, deny the authenticity, the beauty, the expressiveness in that voice. And I just, anybody who, who's like, oh, I don't really know any pretender songs. I'm like, yes, you do. 
you probably do and you're just not aware of it because they just didn't get the same kind of promotion i think that a lot of other um acts did unfortunately but okay so oh, i'm just trying to calm down because it's like so many people in here that I i'm like oh my god this, this, this is the best moment of my life you guys okay like i just can't deal <laughs> like i'm seriously so excited i'm gonna like straight <laughs> okay so berlin i love berlin so much and it's not just taking my breath away even though that is like the song that everybody knows from berlin um i just uh, <laughs> i can't i just i can't deal oh my god i love berlin so much i have i have a list of songs that okay i have two major lists of songs one that is for singing along so when i'm driving in my car i can sing along and you know not want to just flip off everybody on, the, on these florida streets and then i have my nighttime rock music that i put on to help soothe me to bed and berlin happens to be on both of those playlists extensively because they're amazing they're just amazing and um again I, I, <laughs> I should have taken some medication before this because i just oh my god i'm gonna fall apart right now okay okay <laughs> all right so billy idol can we talk about Billy Idol yes. for a moment? I love Billy Idol so much. He he does not have the best voice, but he has a hell of a voice. And it is very much a unique thing. And, and uh, it, it's no accident that I fell so hard in love with Spike on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yep. Because his entire vibe was pulled straight off of a Billy Idol poster. He's just a Billy Idol poster with fangs. Like, and, and that's that's good enough for me. I don't need any more character development than that. It's okay. That's all I need in my life. And he also sings. I mean, it's perfect. You know, dancing with myself, which <laughs> I just, every time, like, I got to be a certain age and I was like, dancing with myself. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> yes, this happened like four or five years ago, okay? I'm not a particularly clever person. So I, I hear this and I'm like, oh man, okay. Or White Wedding or Rebel Yell. Like, there's so many um, lines in Rebel Yell that I just, it wasn't until a few years ago that I was like, oh, he's singing about what? Yeah, 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 yeah. Billy Idol, thank you for that. Tears for Fears, because they just, they have so many amazing songs that um, just kind of, for all that, that this particular genre of 80s music is very kind of up and fluffy and all of that, Tears for Fears are a real downer, man. They are a real downer. Are. But they are so good that you, you're just like, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm okay with that. Like, make me cry, Tears for Fears. Just make me cry. I, I'm all right with that. They also gave us Mad World, which, you know, if, if you, if you, talk to Aaron at all at, at <laughs> like 12 seconds in her entire life, you know how much she loves the movie Donnie Darko and what a big part of that uh, mad world is and head over heels. So, you know, the significance of Tears for Fears, 80s music. So, you know, if you didn't know this about Aaron, like, honestly, I know. How do you not know this about me? Is this your first episode listening to, to It's a Fandom Thing? If so, there's a back catalog that I would like it for you to check out. And we did but a whole episode on the movie, too. So. Yes, yes. Like, go back and, and check that out. Like, my gosh, don't embarrass yourself. But yeah, like, they're, they're like the, the moody cousin sitting in the corner 
with the, you know, like pretending that they're not picking at the Thanksgiving pie. That's just like, you know, like writing lyrics in their notebook while they're still at everybody moodily. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, is Curtis okay? And everybody's like, no, Curtis is not okay. And Curtis is in the background going, no, Curtis is not okay. And then he's going to whip up his guitar and rape and, and, and like just break your heart through your chest with all of his melodrama. You're going to be, you're going to thank him for it later. That's Tears for Fears. Um, <laughs> I should mute myself because I've never heard Tears for Fears described that way. Okay. And then the last one that I'll mention before I even think of any more, because oh my God, I could just do this all day, is Yaz or Yazoo, as they're, they're called in the UK. Because Alison Moyet's voice is just, oh my gosh. It, if you hear my favorite song of theirs, is don't go and that that song is just a feat of singing and it's such a simple song like it's nothing flashy or splashy or anything it's a very simple straightforward song but it's that voice that 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 has like that depth and then that height that volume it is so full and rich and gorgeous and and straightforward but still very expressive and they just they they bring that to all their music and you're just kind of like left like oh like you just had a workout as if you sang the song and no you didn't unless it's karaoke in which case you know god bless you for taking one of those on because that is oh amazing but okay oh my god i got through it I can't hear it, you guys. <laughs> I did it. We're gonna have to do just a whole episode on this this particular genre. Next year we are we are covering a couple of bands I will be mentioning next year, but and Yaz is so much fun to dance to. Yes. Oh my gosh. Because I used to yes. always go 80s night everywhere. And this one of the best. One of the best. I yes, love yes. them. I love Yay. them. And they're so underrated. If we if we lived in a fair and just world, Yaz would be a household name. Yeah. As it should be. I agree with a lot of these bands that I have in mind would be household names. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> that was amazing. And Jill. Okay. Now we're in my wheelhouse. <laughs> so here's me. Teenage Jill. My rocking my hair tail. And my parachute <laughs> pants. Man, I was, I was into my new wave. So um, favorite, 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 by far favorite new wave band. Men at Work. I love Men at Work. They're kind of on the cusp. They kind of on the edge of New Wave. Um, loved Men at Work. Masters of the music video. Uh, if any band figured out how to market that music video, it was Men at Work. Every one of their videos, are they're fun. They're funny. They're creative. Love the band. Saw them in concert. Weirdest concert situation I've ever been in. So it was when Red Rocks was starting to do the reserve seating for the front half of the of the venue got second row seats was in heaven favorite band red rocks first show of the season i was so excited and it snowed and it snowed out and they moved them to the cu event center and they had a computer figure out where the people were going to sit based on their tickets from red rocks where they were going to sit at the cu event center and it was a bad system and i ended up in the back of the like the horseshoe of the of the arena on the back curve 
front row of that back curve, but still way in the back. And people who had 20th row were in the front row on the floor. So I was heartbroken. Um, but still, great, fantastic show. Another band is on concert, Thompson Twins. Saw them with Berlin. That was a uh, that was awesome to see you, Vincent. Oh Center. my gosh. Almost went deaf at that show because we were in front of the speaker and my ears rang for two days after. Uh, Carla was talking about Eternal Flame and how that song just melts her soul. Hold me now. It comes on to this day. Hold. I hear those first notes and my heart melts. And I just go, ah. <laughs> it just, ah. Love that song so much. Madness. Love, love, love Madness. Such a fun band. Uh, I have never seen them. I would have loved to see Madness. I'm going to go through these quick because there's a long list. Split Ends. Loved Split Ends. All the all the early 80s split end stuff, six months in a leaky boat, and I got you, and all those songs. And then the spin-off, Crowded House. At the at the end of the 80s, we moved on to Crowded House, which I also love. Um, it's not hard to love Neil Finn. So Neil Finn's gonna do it. I'm 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 on board. Uh Spandau Ballet. Uh True is another song that just melts my soul. Love that song. Howard Jones. Oh my gosh. And, uh, yeah. No one is to blame. That's another one that just, I just, it comes on, you hear the first few notes, you're just like, ah, oh, I love this song so much. One hit wonder and one of my favorite all time songs in the whole world The Vapors Turning Japanese. I friggin' love that dumb song. It can come on, I start dancing, I start singing. <laughs> it, it would not be a song that would probably make it today in a pc culture but man that's a that horrible song. Right. i love that song yeah, so much it's like a super racist song it's it's so racist. About... yeah oh but my I god i love it I, I i every time i listen to it, i'm like i should love it love it <laughs> the alarm it's a huge alarm fan Aaron doesn't know the alarm. You made a face like you don't know who the alarm is. No, I was, yeah, I can't. I, can't I, I know the name, but I'm trying to play songs. The stand. The, the stand was a song. Love the alarm. I got to see them live. Adamant. Oh Huge yes, Adamant fan. Oh. <laughs> um, probably my first crush of a boy with guy liner. Uh, loved Adamant. And the funny thing was, my mom. My mom was was a second grade teacher, and she was kind of always very second grade teacherish, you know, she didn't cuss. She was nice to people. She, you know, she was just a very kind, she still is, she's still alive. I'm talking like she's not, um, she's, she's a very kind person. <laughs> um, and um, my mom, so I, I thought, you know, a lot of these bands I liked in the eighties, my mom wouldn't like. My mom loved Adamant. I thought she's not gonna like a guy who wears makeup. She loved Adamant, she thought he was cute, like, <laughs> So my mom and I kind of shared some, uh, I was able to listen to music with her in the car, you know, because she liked some of these bands. Kaja Gugu, talking about a one-hit wonder. Too Shy, uh, Lamal, he was adorable. Billy Idol, which Carla mentioned. Billy Idol I saw in concert at Red Rocks. A big memory of that show was um, spending the entire concert banging my fist in the air. That's what you did at a Billy Idol concert. Just two hours straight of doing that. Um, and again, it's a time when Red Rocks, you got to go and sit all day long wearing a black sleeveless shirt for that show. Lobster arms the next day, sleeping on pillows for a week, my arms on pillows for a week because they were sunburned like you could not believe. But great, great show. Yeah. 
this this era is my era. I, these are all bands I still listen to, all songs I still listen to. They take me right back to that that era. And I, and I actually stole my parachute pants. I can't fit in them, but I still have them because I just can't throw them away. That's amazing. Well, awesome. I'm, I'm so glad that so far, most of mine have not been taken. I mean, oh. you're adding ones that I love. but so. well, We're fully covering the genre then. I know. It's pretty awesome. It's pretty, like a couple, I was like, I don't know if anyone will mention them, but, you know, okay. So, Sarah, are you going to, about to break my heart and steal <laughs> I hope not. No, I, again, not my typical genre, but first concert I ever went to, uh, and it was like one of the first bands that was from my generation that my parents also liked, uh, In Excess. Absolutely loved In Excess. I still love In Excess. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I was 12, 13, right around there when we went to see them and we all went as a family. And I think Ziggy Marley opened, which was oh, wow. sort of an odd combination. And uh, one, I, I'm surprised no one else has mentioned uh, Duran Duran. I know they're, I, but I love Duran Duran. I love Duran Duran. Like the only reason that I didn't really mention them is because I already had so many people that I was talking about. <laughs> You're running out of room. <laughs> yeah. And, and also like most of my favorite Duran Duran music was from the 90s, not the 80s. So I was technically, uh, I'll just shut up about them. Okay, that makes sense. Um, but absolutely love Duran Duran. REM, I didn't really get into or, uh, or really start listening to until early 90s uh, when Automatic for the People came out. But then I went back and, and listened to some of their older stuff uh, from the 80s. Uh, I forgot until Carla mentioned them, I forgot how much I love The Pretenders. And Chrissy Hines' voice is just phenomenal. Uh, And I'm going to keep it to a minimum here because I know Erin has quite the list to go through. I'm going to hand it over to her now. (laughs) My favorites were not taken. I am blown away. I mean, I love a lot of the ones that people mentioned, but I'm going to save my three favorites for the end here. Anyone's ever listened to me, you should be able to guess what my favorites are in here but i'm gonna mention a lot of ones i'm some of them people may not have even heard of i'm gonna mention the cramps which is one of the most unique bands ever one of the most unique concerts i've ever been to in my life lux interior who sadly passed away was the most unique man i have ever ever seen and he would just the way he would move just google just looking at him and to me, my ideal guy, and I've mentioned this before, and Sarah knows this because we talked about it on my so-called life, is very dark black hair, makeup, leather jacket. That, to me, is the sexiest beyond sexiest. And it all started with a lot of these bands, honestly, and a lot of these lead singers and stuff. And and the cramps is very much that way. And the cramps, they're kind of like, um, they're called um, psychobilly is what it's called. So it's like rockabilly mixed with just being weird (laughs) and unique and they have this whole song that's called people are no good and they have a chorus of children singing they have like singing like a choir of children i mean singing the chorus of people are no good and it is hilarious just because you wouldn't really think children should be singing a line like that but they're amazing and just i i love love them love them love them another one is the sisters of mercy 
uh, which is very much a lot more, they're goth, um, very dark, very heavy. <laughs> Their songs are really long too, but they're, they're a great one as well. Echo and the Bunnymen. I just, I love, 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 love Echo and the Bunnymen. Ecstasy, XTC. I think they're great too. Their song, Dear God, is tops. Brilliant, wonderful, amazing. If you ever question God, listen to that song because, you know, it'll be echoing that. Erasure was a very, very important band, I think, for a lot of reasons. And I love, love, love Erasure as well. Carla's going to hate when I mention this band, but Pet Shop Boys. Um, <laughs> I know Carla does not like Pet Shop Boys. <laughs> it's No, you're right. I was going to say, it's not that I don't like them. I don't like them. I, I, I despise them for, oh for, for reasons that I have discussed before and that I won't discuss again because I will not go through that again. Not for you, not for anybody. Not for you, not for anybody. I know I'm just like, she's going to hate me when I mention that, but I just, I had to. Uh, Big Audio Dynamite, which came out of um, The Clash, and it, it wasn't Joe Strummer, but it was, now I can't remember his name, but Big Audio Dynamite was a big, they were a little bit more cheesy because there was a lot of infighting in The Clash because Joe Strummer was very political and he didn't want to be as pop. And I mean, I'll give The Clash a shout out to me. That's more late 70s as well, but The Clash will always be amazing. Public Image Limited, which was a band started that came off of the Sex Pistols. <laughs> so some of these came off of that. Uh, Jane's Addiction, which I saw Jane's Addiction in concert with Nine Inch Nails. I am so blessed to have seen some of these people. That was an amazing concert. Nine Inch Nails was great, but Jane's Addiction was a whole other level. I mean, really, that was just incredible. One of the best concerts I've ever seen. And then The Cure was a big one. <laughs> I mean, Boys Don't Cry and a bunch of other ones. And Robert Smith was like. That's another one that I I, I just mm, couldn't shoehorn in there. But yeah. Yeah. Just. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm mentioning all the ones I possibly can. <laughs> because the, the last three I'm going to mention, I'm going to say Moron. Uh, Jesus and Mary Chain, I think, is a really, really good band as well. Love them. Love them. Love them. The Pixies, the Pixies, the Pixies, the Pixies, the Pixies, the Pixies. If I could see any band I haven't gotten to see in concert ever, it would be, well, The Clash couldn't happen, but it would be The Clash or The Pixies. So definitely them. Okay. And my three favorites, I'm going to go kind of in reverse alphabetical order here. <laughs> Violent Femmes. I have seen Violent Femmes in concert over 10 times. Their music means so much to me. I would have to do a whole episode, which I will, <laughs> describing why their music means so much to me. Their self-titled debut album still has some uh, songs that added up, Kiss Off, Promise, everything, it just basically any song on there. Actually, my least favorite song is Blister in the Sun, which I know is the most popular song of theirs, but that's actually my least favorite. And Blister in the Sun is also about, you know, what dancing in the dark is about. Um, <laughs> but to me, those songs are like that anger, that angst, when you feel like an outsider, when you don't fit in, all that stuff is all in there. Especially, you know, when you sing Add It Up and you sing those lyrics and you really look at those lyrics and you sing them very loud and everything, it's just, it's just amazing. And I know a lot of people stop liking the Violet Femmes because um, Gordon Gano, who is the lead singer, he became 
Christian, very, very, very Christian. There's a lot of, a lot of their songs later on talk about that. I know I just saw them in concert again. And he, he, one of them is uh, Jesus walking on the water is one of his songs. And he was singing that. And he said, you know, they turned the lights on over, over all of you when I was singing that. And I'm thinking they were doing that to see how would everybody respond to a song that I'm singing that mentions Jesus. <laughs> he said, I was very happy to see smiles on people's faces. <laughs> and he's like, that's all I'm going to say. Uh, because I mean, their songs still were great, but I think a lot of people kind of lost touch. I didn't, they were like my number one for years and years. Uh, New Order, who is, I got into New Order late senior year. And then after that, and New Order, of course, branched off of Joy Division after the lead singer, uh, Ian Curtis killed himself. Uh, go watch the documentary Control, all about that. One of the best, I mean, not documentary, um, movie. One of the best movies about uh, a musician I have ever, 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 ever watched. But if you like New Order or or uh, Joy Division, I definitely think you should watch that. And New Order is very interesting if you listen to their discography, because they started out very much still in that Joy Division, very dark, depressed music. And then they kind of grew more into uh, more of the synth and more like dance and stuff. They're still so much fun to dance to. Some of their songs are still dark, but they weren't as dark. But I love, 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 love New Order. I could do a whole episode on them too. They mean a lot to me. I can listen to them and be instantly transported back in time to certain things. And then number one, <laughs> my soul, my heart, my everything is Depeche Mode. Depeche Mode is, you know, it's funny. What's funny about Depeche Mode is I actually hated Depeche Mode. When I was in high school, I hated Depeche Mode. I was like, why do people like this? This tracks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, everybody likes this. This is stupid. I'm going to like the more, the more, more fringe bands than Depeche Mode. And then I, well, what happened was I started dating someone who was really into Depeche Mode. And so I went, okay, I'll try and get back into Depeche Mode. And then I got back into Depeche Mode and really got into Depeche Mode. I just, they are, their songs, their lyrics, their music, everything. This is why we're going to do a whole episode on them next year. Mean the world, the world to me. Um, I have seen them in concert four times. Dave Gahan, the lead singer, is Oh, God. If you want to talk about seeing someone who's incredibly sexy on stage, he's incredibly sexy on stage. And he has this way. I've never, ever, ever seen another person in concert do this where he will be on stage singing. And it really is like he is singing directly to you. It doesn't matter where he's looking in the audience. You really feel like he's looking directly at you. And the way he dances, the way he moves. Go uh, watch the documentary 101, which is all about when they um, sold out the Rose Bowl. Because they were fringe for a while, and then they became more popular. And of course, Violator, but that's not until 1990. But they're they're just absolutely incredible. I actually saw Dave Gahan in his solo concert, which was at a little venue here in um, Denver when they kind of branched out. And yeah, I mean, they've had issues because of his drug addiction and everything like that, which he's clean. He's fine now. But yeah, I just, I love, love, love them. I, I do want to say some of their really popular songs like just can't get enough and stuff like that get on my nerves now because they're so popular <laughs> but that's that's the way i am yeah but then there are other ones of theirs like the song somebody oh gosh just that that's talk about a heart song it's just oh my gosh just oh deep 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 
deep in my heart. And then, you know, it was really sad to me. There was a time not a few years ago when the alt-right, you know, all the racists out there decided they were going to adopt Depeche Mode as their band of choice, which number one, they must have never not listened to a Depeche Mode song in their life or listened to the sing the um, band members. And they instantly came out and said, this is not us. You should not like us because we are not at all in your realm. So I want to say that in your wheelhouse, I'm glad that they spoke out instantly, but that's just who they are. They're also pretty political. So anyway, I, I will stop with that because we still have one other category to go. I guess I should have left this one for last. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I actually, uh, my my extensive list, I actually missed one. Frankie Goes to Hollywood. That was a big oh, yeah. one. <laughs> and, and, Carl, and Carla was talking about meanings of songs. Um, relax. Um, I did know what it meant or what it was about. And I remember sitting in the car with my mom while it was on and watching her out of the corner of my eye going... Don't figure out what the song is about. Don't figure out what the song is about because you're not going to let me listen to it anymore. <laughs> and she never did. As far as I know, she never did. Um, if she did, she didn't say anything. But yeah, Frankie. Frankie was a big one too. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, and Depeche Mode had some, I mean, you know, they had a whole song about BDSM. So, you know, lots of things. I mean, they had lots of songs about suicide. Lots of songs about that too. So, yeah. Yeah. And of course, you know, that's 90s, but personal Jesus became a, a big thing about that. So, and that video will always be memorable. Okay. I'll stop talking about Depeche Mode. Okay. <laughs> just wait to hear the episode about Depeche Mode. Just, just me. No one else is allowed on that episode. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Carla Sutton can come on. <laughs> two, hours, two hours of Aaron talking about Depeche Mode. <laughs> yeah. And him just chiming in. Yeah. His favorite lyrics. <laughs> that would be so much fun. Okay. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now we're going to wrap up with, I know some of this is going to be where Sarah will probably have a huge, huge list. And I know I already insulted. I'm sorry, Sarah. I, <laughs> no, I, no, you didn't insult me at all. <laughs> but we're going to wrap up with heavy metal, glam rock, and rock. We're going to throw rock in there too. So Carla, I know one of your favorites on here, but Yes. <laughs> we'll get around to them later, but okay, I I just want to say that I'm really angry with this um with, with like the fact that you're including heavy metal because it forces me to talk about Metallica. And I will never forgive them for their role in taking down Napster. Okay? They they remain unforgiven in my books. I have absolutely no tolerance for that kind of behavior. Napster was everything to me. It's how I discovered music. And I eventually went and bought albums because of the stuff that I downloaded on Napster. So how dare you, Metallica people, ruin my life. Anyway, we're very sorry. About... <laughs> but uh, you can't talk about 
80s heavy metal without talking about Metallica because they are like the embodiment of everything that 80s heavy metal is. And as much as I like Metallica, their albums from, from, from that era are some of my favorites. They're just some of my favorites, okay? Um, one of the first lullabies that, um, not lullabies, one of the first songs <laughs> that my husband and I sang to our freshly newborn little boy when we brought him home from the hospital and we looked at each other and we realized, hey, neither you nor I know any proper lullabies is that we gently sang to him, Enter Sandman. And that was his first bedtime song. It's just my husband and me, you know, just holding him. Hush, little baby, don't say a word. <laughs> and like actually meaning it because, you know, we're like, shut up and go to sleep. But another reason why Metallica stands out in my mind is because they were the first band when I came here that I, that I, you know, like as I'm actually watching MTV with my own eyes, their videos were a, a big deal at the time. And, you know, again, coming from Mexico and being raised in a super heavily Catholic household and heavy metal is the devil's music. And, you know, we were at, at our friend's, um, at our friend Harvey's house and he was really into Metallica and he was watching the videos and I was like, watching them out of the corner of my eye, like, okay, <laughs> my soul doesn't feel like it's burning yet. Maybe, maybe this was a little trick. And, you know, like, and then eventually I started to just be like, I don't care. I'm just going to listen to them. Um, and also it didn't hurt that there was a boy that I had a crush on who liked heavy metal. And so I got into a lot of heavy metal through him because not that he could even notice me because, you know, I, I was what, like nine or 10 and he was a super cool teen and he was just the cousin of my next door neighbor and he was just dreamy and that wasn't his fault it was not your fault, <laughs> it wasn't his fault. <laughs> it's not your fault that you're dreamy and 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 we're into heavy metal it, it's just that's just what i wanted out of life at that point in time but anyway so metallica is very important to me for a lot of reasons including for a lot of reasons for which i now hate them but beyond that, <laughs> but beyond that, and here's the thing with, with, with heavy metal is that a lot of the, a lot of the, the bands, when I really think about it now and look back to say, oh, you know, this band was really a big deal to me, thanks to the internet and just to them being loudmouth in general, you come to find out that a lot of them are like, pretty heavily racist and that really taints my enjoyment of them as the target of the racism and it makes me feel like hey I can't enjoy your music anymore because I feel like you kind of want me dead so that's the story of me and Pantera because I don't care what um Phil Anselmo says uh he 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 was um on a stage and he did the the Nazi salute and he shouted white power and he th he says that it's just an inside joke and that he didn't mean it that way. And like the whole, no, not a racist bone in my body thing. And yet there's this whole history of him being racist and saying racist things. And I'm like, no, buddy, that, that's not a misunderstanding. That's just you loudly proclaiming who you are and asking us to look the other way, which I'm not going to do. So it, it, it's, it gets kind of tricky navigating that, that nostalgia and that, that love that I've had for, for this music with the realization that they would be perfectly happy to see me trampled just for funsies because they don't 
think of me as a person. You know, like an, an actual human being deserving of, of rights and stuff. And it's really disappointing and, and disheartening and, and sad because I think one of the things with music is, you know, it's an escape. Uh, we find ways of making it a part of our souls. And uh, a lot of the times, you know, the, the, the music or the lyrics will attach themselves to you in a way that is next to impossible to undo. And when when you're in the situation where it is personally affecting you, knowing who the people behind the music actually are, disengaging yourself from it uh, out of need is almost like stripping away part of your soul. And that is the saddest freaking thing that I can think of. And and that's like so so this category for me in a lot of ways is pretty loaded with with um with sadness, but I'll still say that that I love um, like Tesla's music and I love White uh, White Snake, White Snake, just so much of, of the ridiculous music that really edges into like the glam rock, the, the hair metal, all of that. I love it because say what you will about them, David Coverdale's voice is spectacular and deserves all the respect. If you listen to, um, in the 90s, he and Jimmy Page paired up to do, um, it was a one-off album called Coverdale Page. And his voice really gets a chance to stand out. The, the songwriting is much more tailored to his voice um, and his talents. And it's, an, it's an absolute standout. There are so many songs that that are, they'll just blow you away. And if you go back and listen to White Snake, you know, with a, a little bit less smirkiness, you, you see that it's there too. It, he really does have a great voice. And now, of course, <clears throat> may I present <laughs> the reason why so much of, of my life and heart and soul is invested in, in music. You can laugh. I don't care. It's Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi means so much to me. Bon Jovi, particularly the... To be honest, like a lot of the, their, their 90s stuff is some of the best stuff as far as I'm concerned. The 80s, they're, they're um, getting set up. They're just these young guys with no responsibilities who are just touring the world, but who do have a social consciousness. They A lot of their songs do talk about what's going on in real life. One of their, her, their first hits is Runaway, which is about a runaway and about what she's going through on the street. And, you know, so these are like these, you know... Um, Barely out of high, barely out of high school, you know, cute boys with guitars who can be singing about just about everything on the planet, but they're singing about a real issue, and you can see that uh, that that big heart in them in a lot of their, the stuff that they do back then into now with John Bon Jovi setting up the Soul Kitchen in New Jersey, which is where people can come in and get a meal. And they don't have to pay if they don't have the money. It's, it's basically like pay what you can or don't pay, whatever. Just come and get fed. And a lot of the, the philanthropic, philanthropic, oh my God, I will never get that word right, causes that that he supports and champions. Um, but yeah, okay, like Wanted Dead or Alive, oh, please, please knock me over with that song over and over and over again. It's one of my favorite, favorite songs ever. Lay Your Hands on Me 
it's cheesy as hell, okay? I don't care. I love it. Bad medicine, let me explain something to you, okay? Bad medicine is not a very good song. Bad medicine is not a very smart or interesting song, but it is a jam. It is a jam. It's one of my son's favorite songs when it comes on. He's like, yeah, turn it up. And I'm like, of course I will, son. It's a great song to listen to and jam to. So we'll sit there and like jam to it with his little fluffy hair. And then, you know, like with a big smile on his face. And I'm like, you have good taste. And he's like, whatever, mom, just here to dance. But yeah, Bon Jovi is definitely a big deal for me. And okay, so again, with this thing of me thinking that Bon Jovi, you know, anything heavy, metal, rock, all of this stuff being the devil's music. I mean, like the fact that I ever lumped Bon Jovi into that, hilarious. I mean, okay, hilarious. But then the way that, that I got into them. Okay, so I was in eighth grade and we were at a retreat. This is like Catholic school, by the way. So we're off at this retreat. And it's like this very spiritual thing. And you're supposed to be thinking about how you're treating other people and everything. And then they have speakers come in. And some of the speakers were like teenagers who are barely like a couple of years older than you. And everybody else in, in my class is like, oh, whatever, these losers. And I'm like, oh, look at all these bright young minds coming to teach us stuff. And so th there's this one guy who comes in with a lasso. And he's, he comes in and he starts talking about how his... Um, uh, one of the songs that, that that like most informs who he is as a person is Blaze of Glory from the from um, Young Guns 2. And he he does like this whole this it's not a short song either. So he plays the entire song and does like this last routine with it. And like everybody around me must have been, I, I don't know what they were doing because I was busy staring at this guy and being transfixed by his passion for his lasso and for the song. And that's how I started falling into Bon Jovi is this ridiculous like introduction to it. Um, but so, you know, I, I start in the early 90s and then fall back as you do into the back catalog of the 80s, thinking a lot of it back then was just very cheesy enough for me. And then as I get older and I realize that music doesn't have to be so serious, just enjoying it for what it is, just a bunch of dudes having a good time. And looking fabulous while doing it, you know, that, that's, and that's fine. It doesn't have to be anything deeper or more than that, but there is more depth and there is more to them. And yes, they were very, very pretty. Okay. John Bon Jovi can get it. He can, he can get it back then. And now it's fine. I was going to say now too. I think now yes. more than back then. Yes. Oh, he, yes. Well. yes. Yes. It's like a fine wine. Yes. Better with age. Exactly, exactly. So that's me on yeah. on rock and metal. <laughs> and he's Aaron. probably he's probably <laughs> also gorgeous like that because he does so many good things. So I think that I think so too. Part. Like him and, and like Keanu and Paul Rudd, they're probably drinking from the same well of do good things and keep your mouth shut. Yeah, and and you know the, the the racism thing that also comes up. You know, I've been fans of lots of punk bands, and that's that's an issue in that genre too. Is that there is a lot of racism, depending. And I and I know that was a big thing for the Clash when the Clash was coming up. Is they were very anti-racist. They they weren't racist, and they didn't like that fact that a lot of the punk 
bands were like that. So yeah, it, it, it is something with a lot of these bands to come to terms with is there's a lot of racism in a lot of these genres. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think the specials wasn't, which was one that I forgot to mention was another band that kind of was like the clash of trying to take over that genre and turn it away from some of its racist roots in there. Cause you know, I mentioned public image limited, but, but sex pistols were pretty darn racist. <laughs> if you listen to their lyrics, pretty darn racist. Anyway. Okay. So Jill, what are some of your favorites here? Before I go into my little short list, I want to mention something else you were talking about how that racism, finding out what they're really about colors your view. Same thing right now with Michael Jackson. You know, those songs were so big at the time and they're, you know, it's hard. I mean, yes, but no. Because well, no, we absolutely I mean, but, have to but, but the with, with the, the accusations and the things that he did. But with Michael Jackson, it was, it's something that uh, as a society, it, it's a bigger problem. His actions, while absolutely inexcusable and horrendous, were directed at a specific population of, of people, which is a certain amount of people, not to dismiss at all the severity or the importance of it, but when we're talking about racism, we're talking about something that is systemic and uh, touches people directly. Right. I wasn't talking about the severity in a sense. I was talking more the sense of how finding out what a person is, an artist is like, colors your opinion of songs you previously liked. Um, so not necessarily equating them because definitely they're not the same. But I'm finding that I'm having that problem with Michael Jackson. Um, songs I previously loved, I now, when I hear them, I don't think about the song. I think about, oh, but Michael. And I have a hard time enjoying them as much as I used to. And even some of them, I can't enjoy at all. A pretty young thing takes on a whole new meaning, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, no, that, so that's gone. That, that was a song I used to like, oh. and now I listen to it, and I go, anyway, it, gives, it kind of gives me the creeps, you know? It's like, so So I do understand how knowing what the, the artist is about sometimes can color your opinion of their art. Anyway, so back to heavy metal. Most of my bands in this genre are going to be on the fringe much like my hip-hop artists are kind of on the fringe kind of go more mainstream Def Leppard Twisted Sister uh, Van Halen all these groups that kind of moved over to kind of the more mainstream things Poison love Poison of these bands um the biggest one and I have to agree with everybody else Bon Jovi um absolutely the top of my list and I have a funny little story that always, whenever I hear uh, Dead or Alive. So my sister had one of those CD players that you put like 50 CDs in and they would just rotate. They'd randomly pick a song and rotate. And her um, album had, or her CD had um, a skip in it, had a, had a scratch on it. And it would come up during Dead or Alive. And because it wasn't something you were actually physically playing, it was something that was on in the other room and it was randomly running you wouldn't think of it until it skipped. It skipped in two spots. I'm a cow. I'm a cow. I'm a cow. I'm a cow. And you have to run over and hit. You have to run over and hit the hit the machine to make it skip. So somebody would come running from the other room to bang on it to make it jump over. And then it would go on a steel whore. On a steel horn, <laughs> on a steel horn. <laughs> and you'd hit it the second time, and then it'd go and play the rest of the way. Oh my god! 
So every time I hear that song, in my head, I'm thinking, I'm a cow on a steel whore. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Bon Jovi. I mean, how could you not love Bon Jovi? Actually saw them in concert. I was lucky enough to see them once. Um, it was a great show. In in this genre, you know, we kind of threw rock in here. The, the rock stuff is going to be more my area. I love The Who. You know, The Who, really primarily a 70s band, but kind of rolled into the early 80s. Um, had a lot of hits. Uh, Queen was huge. You know, how could you not love Freddie's voice? And Styx. Styx was a big early 80s rock band for me uh paradise theater is still you know you always if you were stuck on an island what five albums would you take paradise theater would be uh one of those albums i love sticks i prefer sticks with dennis DeYoung, but i but i do love sticks but yeah so i'm it isn't hugely my genre so i will pass it on to sarah who is going to have a long list i'm sure <laughs> I, I want to know if, if sarah is going to sing about being a cow no, <laughs> now that is stuck in my head. On a steel I know. Whore. On a steel whore. That's what makes steel. Of all the places to stick. If you ever try to entertain a child, and like a particularly small child, and <laughs> they're just learning about you know farm animals and stuff, and you don't know how many times you say the word cow until you've had a toddler. So that just makes, brings me back to those days. Like, I'm a cow. I'm a cow. Oh, my gosh. And the great thing about it was it would not stop. It, it wouldn't clear itself. So you, somebody would have to come running to hit the machine to make it jump. And we'd always say, we need to so get a new amazing. CD. And we never did. It just We just listened to that every time. I now, I now have this visual of Jill, like, tearing through the house <laughs> to smack the CD player so it stops skipping. That's amazing. Okay. Somebody, yo, somebody go hit that. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm never going to hear that song the same way ever again. I hope not. <laughs> uh, so, Sarah, I know this is your category, yes. especially the heavy metal. Oh, yeah. So take it away. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just speaking of wanted, dead or alive, uh, for our supernatural uh, panelists here, uh, Jensen Ackles does a great cover of that. So, check it out. It was from. Uh, I think Vegas a few years ago. And um, of course, my favorite, Corey Taylor of Slipknot, joins him. So I think it's just damn fucking tastic. But that's me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Jensen and Corey together. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> so, okay. Like Carla, I might need a moment. So when I was 13 years old, a friend of mine handed me a copy of uh, Anthrax, State of Euphoria. First metal album I ever listened to. And it was not the original copy. We had taped it on our, you know, dual tape deck. And uh, they said, just listen to this. I'm like, okay. I was hooked from that moment on. Uh, and uh, my parents kind of fought me on it. I'm like, really? You raised me, raised me on Led Zeppelin. Like, seriously, you're going to complain about this now. But whatever. Uh, and, you know, after that, you know, I got into Metallica and Megadeth and Slayer, you know, like the big four metal bands of the 80s. And then uh, I had people, like, this is what ended up being like my group of friends, what we listened to. Anthrax, Among the Living, is still one of my top 10 favorite albums. Uh, Metallica, Master of Puppets, 
still one of my top 10 favorite albums. Incredible album, beginning to end. I don't think there's a song on that that I don't like. Never was much into the glam metal, the, you know, your poisons and uh, winger and warrants and winger. Motley Crue. I, yeah, winger. <laughs> Came up because my husband would listen to the hair metal station on uh, Sirius XM and like a winger song came on. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> this is just terrible. You know, with the exception of Bon Jovi. And I think that is just from uh, them being fantastic and uh, also living in New Jersey. Uh, it was a you know, big deal because he's from Sayreville, Middlesex County, where I grew up. So, you know, huge deal for Bon Jovi being from New Jersey. But, you know, and then I started, uh, you know, just, you know, some of the other ones, you know, because I think a lot of that, the, the, the real heavy metal was more like late 80s into early 90s. You know, like Pantera was more late 80s, early 90s. And, you know, so conflicted, like Carly was saying with Pantera, because... I really like their music. I think uh, Dimebag was a, a phenomenal guitarist. Rest in peace. But they are very problematic. Um, and it can be very difficult to separate the music from the artist and to be able to enjoy that, that music that you love so much, knowing what the, artists, the artist is like. You know, so I find myself... Con very conflicted on on someone like that. Another one of my favorite bands, and actually I didn't get again didn't get into them until the early '90s, uh, was Queensrÿche. Uh, when Silent Silent Lucidity like hit big in like '90 '91, um, but then I went back and, and started listening to their uh, older stuff. And Operation Mindcrime, just incredible concept album. Another one beginning to end. Absolutely, absolutely in my opinion, genius, um, because you weren't, you know, the Who did a lot of concept albums or, you know, a couple of, you know, Tommy, Quadrophenia, but you didn't have a lot of that in the eighties. And for them to come out with a concept album in like 80, this was 87, 88, you didn't see a lot of, a lot of that. Like you actually, to, to actually sit and listen to an album from beginning to end, because it was telling that story. And I saw that was, I think the one first concert I went to with a friend, my mom went with us. <laughs> we convinced my mom to go with us. My friend Kim and I went and they performed the entire Queens, right? They performed the entire album beginning to end operation mind crime live. And it was wonderful. Oh my God. One of the, and I was probably 16, 17 at the time and just loved, loved every minute of it. But I mean, for me, heavy metal, I think I ended up gravitating towards that being my favorite genre of music because I was a very angsty teen and was dealing with depression and suicide ideation and things like that. And a lot of the music dealt with that, addressed those things that people didn't talk, we still don't talk about it with regards to addiction and mental health and, and things like that. And you know, these are, these are things that people are, are dealing with and it's just kind of swept under the rug and you're, you, you don't talk about it. And they were bringing it out, you know, through, through this intense, angry, sad music. 
And I think that's why I ended up really gravitating towards that. You know, listening to like Metallica's Fade to Black or, but for me, and, it, and a lot of it was dealing with uh, addressing social issues and, and things like that. Uh, things like racism, Anthrax uh, in their music, they write a lot about how shitty <laughs> it is. And I mean, they're the one, one line in, uh, I think it's Schism, you know, they, they address that, you know, racism is, it's not inherited, it's taught. It's what you're teaching your kids. So, you know, there's this big misconception, and I think my parents had this misconception. I mean, you know, there was the satanic panic of, of the 80s, where heavy metal was the devil's music, and, you know, you're all Satan worshippers, and, and, you know, Tipper Gore with her, what, family... Family Music Council? Was it the Family Music Council? I can't remember. I think it was that. It was something along those lines. Yeah, something was, along that line. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when they're, uh, and, you know, like the gangster rap, you know, calling these, having the congressional hearings about this music. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's very, it's very well thought out. It's very intelligent. It's very emotional. And I, I, that's why I love it so much. Um, you know, so I have, uh, I think it's my uh, friend Brandy from middle school or middle school, high school to uh, thank for this. Cause she's the one that gave me the, uh, my very first metal album. <laughs> so, you know, I've seen, I've seen Metallica multiple times. Anthrax, I didn't get to see it live because uh, just, I, didn't have anyone to go with all my, all my metal friends didn't want to go. And, uh, them I didn't get to see maybe until about five or six years ago, they were uh, with another band that we were seeing, you know, so much my husband, he's like, I don't want to see Anthrax. Like they've been one of my favorite bands since I was 13. I'm excited about this. So shut up, you know, and I just, there's such a camaraderie amongst metal fans. Um, I think I, I, that I just absolutely love like being, being in the pit and, and that that energy and that intensity it's like one of my favorite places to be besides comic-con i know there's there are women that do get groped never really been my experience you know everyone is very uh they look out for each other we went to mayhem festival like six seven years ago and it wasn't it wasn't main stage we were seeing, watching one of the bands off stage and there was a guy there in a the wheelchair and this group of people just lifted him up so, you know, he could press serve. And it's just awesome. And that's what I see with, with the fan, that, at least that's been my experience with the fan base is they're just wonderful, kind people. Like you, you fall down, they'll be right there to pick you back up. Yeah. To me, it's more, you know, it's even more than, than just liking the music. It's, it's, connecting with the fans as well, which, you know, we do through whatever fandom mm-hmm. we have, you know, I mean, that's how we all met <laughs> is, is through, you know, our, our love for whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that's my wheelhouse right there. <laughs> she said earlier. <laughs> who, who was yeah, the band definitely. that actually got sued, had to go to court? Was that Judas Priest? Judas Priest was one of them, yes. One of them. I think Ozzy got Ozzy sued. was big. 
time. Ozzy was attacked all the time. Oh yeah, because it was I think it was Suicide and, Solution. So was Alice Cooper was also yeah. a big Alice one too. Cooper, yeah. I think Twisted Sister was too. Yeah, they were too. Well, I know, yeah, because he 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 was on he was there was footage of him. Yeah, he was yeah. so smart. That guy is yeah. so smart. But oh, yeah, yeah, there's lots of footage of him testifying and stuff. So yeah, I yeah. say he's been in Congress many times. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, a lot defending. of yeah, yeah, a lot. And I, I just want to throw in that like metal people are some of the most straight up, sincere, kind, loving, genuine oh, yeah. people that yeah. I've that I've dealt with in my life. And that a lot of the times, you know, like people look at the quote unquote typical metal fan with like the hair and the tattoos and the wearing everything dark and the leather and stuff, and they. That um, that fake panic that was, mm -hmm. you know, put against them is is called up to mind. But just except for like a few exceptions, they've been the, the most wonderful people yeah. that I've encountered. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree. You know, I, I any any of my metal loving friends or or. You know, just people that I've met. I mean, there's wonderful, just wonderful, kind people. Yeah, and I think I think that's also true of like a lot of goth and stuff like that as well. Is I think that also a lot of people lump that also with satanic stuff. So yeah, and also you know if you really want to know, go look up the um, the satanic temple and actually read about what the satanic temple is, and they are not like sacrificing babies they actually are doing more good for people than like a lot of actual churches do so yeah. anyway just throwing that out there but <laughs> isn't there a, uh, i know a little off topic isn't there a documentary on hail satan hail okay satan. on hulu right mm -hmm. very okay. good documentary yeah go watch that one yeah and then you'll really learn about them plus their whole thing when they came out with um after texas and you know everything anyway sorry that's a little bit off kind of but I just think a lot of that stuff is misunderstood and gets lumped in with a lot of stuff that it shouldn't be lumped in with. I'll keep this short and brief. Uh, this was my least favorite genre when I was growing up. I'm sorry, Sarah, except for uh, I still Def love Leppard. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> except for Def Leppard. And then when I got older, I ended up not liking Def Leppard and liking other bands more and got more into this when I was in my early 20s. Poison, I'm just mentioning Poison because I've said before, for some reason, and I hate Brett Michaels. I do not like Brett Michaels, but for some reason, I watch anything that has to do with Brett Michaels. I love Poison, and I think they're. I think the music is the shallowest thing in the world, has no depth or meaning. As much as he tries to, with every rose has its thorn. He's not deep or meaningful. So, I don't. This is one of those things. Like I'm going to put it up there with Ryan Murphy that that haunts me. And won't leave me alone is Brett Michaels. So I don't know what it is. <laughs> I, I, I think it's your um, attachment to him through Rock of Love. I think that's what it is. Rock of Love is like, gosh, I love, I, I love Rock of Love. I, I really me too. Love. It's awful. It's so addictive. <laughs> it's on Hulu right now, everybody. Oh, oh, you shouldn't have told me that. Now that's all I'm going to be watching for the rest of the week. I know. How many seasons of that was there? Was it just the one three, with him? Three. Oh, there's three, there three, because there were two in the in the mansion, and then the third one was Rock of Love bus. So he took them out on tour yes. because he's like, "This is why it's not working." Because people right. aren't, seeing, and that was just yeah. yeah. Oh, I, there was a train wreck. I was so, I was so, so mad bad. at myself for for actually like buying that he actually wanted to find love. 
I was such a sucker. Such well, a sucker. And, and then he had the spin-off one with the mother of his daughters. Where it was more <laughs> like this, like it was more like this good one. It was this more like down home kind of thing where he's like, this is really who I am. Whatever, uh-huh. Brett Michaels. I don't, um, I don't remember that one. No, yeah, it was, it was like one season. It was right after the third season of Rock of Love. And I can't remember what it was called. And I think he yeah. proposed to her in the, at the end of it or something. I don't remember. But like they, they were still together. They were together when he was doing Rock of Love. So it's like, <laughs> it's good money. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I, Bon Jovi, I'm not, I'll just second everything with Bon Jovi. I'll mention Guns N' Roses. Um, because oh my God, yes, Guns N' Roses. How could you forget Guns N' Roses? Yeah, because, like, yeah, and and right now, if you go uh, Axl Rose, stuff he has been doing and saying for, for years, and there are problematic aspects to Guns N' Roses too, though. If you look back in their history and some of the songs and some of their lyrics, there is there is some race, there's race and there's some homophobia, big time homophobia. But I think... Uh, what I, what I like about Guns N' Roses is I think Guns N' Roses too often gets mixed in with glam rock, and they're not. Guns N' Roses are they are so talented. Slash is just beyond another level, another level of talent, and just Appetite for Destruction is just an amazing, amazing album. So I wanted to give them a shout out. I was surprised they hadn't gotten mentioned either. So I just wanted to give a Guns N' Roses shout out for rock. I'm just going to quickly mention. Even though that was it was Bruce Springsteen was already mentioned, but I just mentioning him again because truly seeing Bruce Springsteen in concert, I am not exaggerating here, is a spiritual experience. Oh, yeah. It's a whole other level. I've seen him twice. Best concert, hands down. No one will ever beat that, I don't think. I think it would be very impossible because he's just you watch him and you're like, I don't have that much energy and I'm younger than <laughs> right? I know, when I, I saw him in twenties the first time. And I am he's not a huge fan that. of his music, but but the the concert experience oh there's a reason why Danny Castellano says it's a it's a Springsteen show it's not a concert exactly yes yeah. yes <laughs> yes because he is a whole other I mean whole other level really I think everybody should try and see him once even if you don't like him seriously it's a totally different kind of experience um, and I just love him as a person in general anyway so I just think he's incredible and anyone that like Ronald Reagan, all those people think Born in the USA is a patriotic song. That song is so not about how great we are. It's the exact opposite. And then I'm going to give a shout out to John Mellencamp because I've seen John Mellencamp a couple of times and he's incredible in concert too. And that's another one that I know like during uh, the last president's era, he was, he's a very political, John is a political person through and through. I mean, he helped find found a farm aid and he was speaking out about i mean pink houses really actually listen to the lyrics of pink houses pink houses is not about how amazing and beautiful this country is pink houses is the exact opposite listen to all the music he did right when george bush was president you know totally and so he would be speaking out constantly on his facebook page or saying all this stuff he would be speaking out on um in new songs he was writing and people like i'm not listening to you anymore you're too political i'm like where the hell have you been all this time? <laughs> That's all John Mellencamp is, is political, except for it's very early and then he hated that. That's why he dropped the cougar. But 
yeah, I, I, he's, he's amazing too. So I just wanted to give it shout outs. <laughs> I'm like, how can you seriously, you don't think, you don't think John Mellencamp's been political before? Like has, have they not it's been the paid cougar. attention? It's the cougar, yeah. It's, you can't take somebody seriously if their middle name is cougar. I think that's why he dropped the cougar. He's like, this is yeah. so I'm not being taken seriously. They just want me to, like he wrote that song, Pop Singer, all about how he hated how people were trying to make him a pop singer. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm, singing songs that have meaning and just John Mellencamp okay forget Cougar he doesn't exist anymore yeah there's there's a song that he wrote around the time of uh of George Bush which he wrote a lot of songs very very critical of Bush of course and it's I think the song title is Crazy Island and it's all about the United States and how and it's this very like upbeat tune but it's this very much like we are horrible <laughs> And we, we we don't want to learn other cultures. We don't want to go beyond our little bubble, our little safe thing. It's that I mean, and he writes about that all the time. And Pink Houses, of course, also is about about drugs as well, and um, and how that may impact other people more than it does others. Anyway, sorry, I went on a little. That's that's my favorite John Mellencamp song, by the way. <laughs> But but anyway, I just still cannot get over that when people were saying they weren't going to listen to him anymore because he's gotten political. Like whatever, dude. But anyway, <laughs> I just I wanted to mention one person that I forgot, and that's El Tri. That's a um, it's a Mexican rock group. There's a song by them called "Is um, It Canción de Amor" or "Dice Canción de Amor." Either way, like it, it's a great song. And one thing with 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 Mexican rock is that it, it has a lot of, of, of like brass. So it has like a lot of trumpet and just like that kind of stuff mixed into it. So it's, yeah. So check it out. Does it have saxophone? Unfortunately, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. If you didn't know, Carla does not like saxophone. I am anti-sax <laughs> and I'm not ashamed to say it. I know, I know, what? I know. My son plays the saxophone. I'll have him play for you. You'll like it then. <laughs> Carlos, like, oh. I promise you I will not, and I don't want to break your heart, so. Sorry, I had to, I had to mention that music. <laughs> okay, well, we could uh, talk about this for another three hours, and we will do episodes coming up highlighting certain bands and maybe certain genres as well. So definitely next year, we're going to be doing a Depeche Mode episode. We're probably going to be doing a New Order episode and maybe Violent Femmes. I'm, I'm thinking the month of November is going to be like my birthday month episodes is what I've decided it's going to be. So look for those and you'll be like, I never want to listen to Depeche Mode again after I talk. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's only possible when you're talking about Pet Shop Boys. <laughs> well, don't worry. I'm not going to do an episode devoted to Pet Shop Boys. Thank God. <laughs> okay, well, we're going to go ahead and close out. So, Carla, where can everybody find you? I can be found on my podcast, Bedwet or Behead, which I co-host with my BFF, Meg. Uh, we can be found at any podcast-carrying platform. And also on Twitter, at bedwetbeheadpod. On Instagram, at bed.wet.behead.pod. If you want to look for us in, like, meta or facebook or whatever it is that they're calling themselves today we can also be found there just look for bed wet or behead podcast 
Thank you. And Jill? I got like one video on TikTok and a handful on Twitter. So yeah, you don't want to follow me. Don't worry about it. Follow somebody else. What, what about the thing you're doing with your sister with the photography? Oh, my, um, yeah, my sister and I have an Instagram <laughs> account called um, Rocky Mountain Light Sisters. We do light painting, which is um, long exposure, nighttime photography with lights. So you can follow us there. There's nothing new on there lately, but there's going to be. We're, we're promising ourselves we're going out here soon. We keep saying we got to do that. Yeah, we do. Let's plan that. You know, we got to do that. <laughs> So it, it's coming soon, but yeah, Rocky Mountain Light Sisters on Instagram. And, and Carla's an amazing photographer. I don't know if you knew that, Jill. Thank but. you. And Sarah? Uh, well, I am not a wonderful photographer, so you will not see any of my photography. <laughs> you can find me on uh, Twitter, uh, usually complaining about Prodigal Sun being canceled, <laughs> at Mom, N-A-T-E-C-A-M-M-O-M. Uh, that's the same for Instagram. Or you can uh, find me on uh, Facebook uh, at uh, Sarah Vaccaro Barnick, B-A-R-N-A-I-K. But I'm kind of boring, so you may not want to follow me. Oh, gosh. Man, wait, people, you Sarah, Sarah and I know how to sell ourselves, don't we? I know. Oh, I'm you like, really do. It. <laughs> like, you don't really want I'm boring. You don't want to follow time. me. That's no problem. <laughs> Bedwater, Beheaded, and Fascinating <laughs> Podcast. It is yes, great fun. And you want to listen to it every day for the rest of your life. So go check it out now. It, it is an awesome podcast. It's even more awesome when I'm on there, but it's still an awesome <laughs> Very humble there, Aaron. <laughs> well, I got to make up for, you know, we've got to make up for the. <laughs> you know. There will be no humility tolerated <laughs> on this closeout. Yeah. yeah. We have seen to that. Yep. And this is Aaron. You can follow me on Twitter at E April Beauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. On TikTok, we've moved back up <laughs> at it's a fandom thing pod. Um, I almost said at gmail.com, but that's not the TikTok handle. <laughs> that would be weird. <laughs> Wow. We're doing great lately with our closeouts. <laughs> I know. I know, man. My, if you have any feedback, show notes, if you'd like to be a potential guest on the show, feel free to reach out to us at it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com. And no, we're talking about um, animated stuff, which is not my thing. So we're talking about it is Carla's excited because we are going to be talking about Bojack Horseman and we're going to have Tanya Ishell from Liberty Diner Dish. And Tanya's son, Dean, is also going to be joining us. And then we are talking about Avatar, The Last Airbender. Since I have so many people on these panels, I might just be moderating at this point. Animated stuff is not my wheelhouse. But I know how popular these are, so we'll be talking about those. And a reminder, every Thursday night, starting at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, head on over to our Twitter account for our live tweets of Dexter. Then right after at 8.15 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, join us over on YouTube where Jen from My Streaming Bubble, sometimes Carla. Carla was on the Thanksgiving one. Go watch that one. I don't know if she was the one on last night because I can't tell the future. Um, <laughs> but we do our live stream reactions to Dexter, and those are a lot of fun. And we do go on a lot of tangents, but they are a ton of fun. So please join us for that. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. 
Black Lives Matter, and Stop Asian Hate. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hey, are you a super fan of Taylor Swift, Jelly Roll, or Morgan Wallen? Are you that song nerd who likes to dive into every little lyric of every little song and figure out what everything means? Do you want to take that a bit further, though? Because I have a podcast called Songwriter Soup, and it dives into the journey of a songwriter and how those people help craft the soundtrack of your life. I'm Laura Veltz, and I'm bringing all of my friends together to discuss our funny little job writing for all of your favorite artists. Listen to Songwriter Soup wherever you get your podcasts.